You know what's happened, don't you? Hi guys, Steve here. You're listening to my podcast, 50 Uses for the Word Love. The podcast where every week, me, with a different guest, analyse the spectrum of human feeling and emotion that in the English language all falls under the one limiting umbrella term, love. First off, huge congratulations to Charlie Vero Martin. It was not two episodes ago that Charlie was sat right here on the podcast sharing her war stories of previous relationships and how she finally found the practical magic of an enchanting relationship. And she's only gone and got engaged to that Connor guy. So chalk up a win to nice people everywhere. This is actually the second guest who's gotten engaged during the airing of the show. I'm not saying we're a good luck charm, guys. It's cold hard science. It's actually really nice to have some good news to share, considering that at the time of airing, it's just the day after the European elections, guys. Uh, And that actually ties in kind of uh, morbidly well with today's topic. And this week's guest, Greg Locke. Greg is one of my very best friends. I met him in university studying film. We've lived together, we've worked together, we've laughed together. He's one of my all-time favourite people and an absolute sweetheart. I was even best man at his wedding. Greg's a nice counterbalance to the comedians we've had on, usually happy-go-lucky misanthropes. Greg is what we call a thoroughly decent, grumpy person. I think Greg's actually the perfect person to talk about this week's subject, because the subject kind of interweaves with his life really interestingly, and kind of surprisingly as well. I think it's a really comprehensive chat, kind of goes all over the place. It's another long one, if you want a pause point, you can uh, switch off when we start talking about politics, as we all wish we could do right now. But please do listen to it, because then it, it kind of dovetails back into a kind of really lovely personal story that I was really happy to kind of have a platform for here. It's a story of family, history, and ultimately, identity. So, I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm going to throw you over to Greg Locke. He's my mate. You're listening to 50 Uses for the Word Love. Today's form of love, patriotism. Can I see the passport? Again? You want to see my passport? Well, well, how did it go down? Like, like, what did they say? No, I mean, you have to show me your passport if you want to be on the podcast. <laughs> I have a right to be guest on a podcast in this country. Yes. Oh, my God. So did they you... They my cover. So... That's your cover. You didn't bring that's, the... Yeah, that's the, an, an aftermarket sexy... accessory for, for one's <laughs> sexy passport. Sexy leather, leather uh, cover for your... Okay. And so... So, you just the story behind... Um, yes. Now this has been a big part of today. Yes. No, I think I love it. I love the irony of it. Okay. So the irony is, is uh, I only I had it in my head that I had months left on this passport. Right. And only by sheer chance found some stupid Brexit story about <laughs> some couple moaning that they still had European Union written on their passports. <laughs> but I thought, oh, wait a minute, what does my one say? And then it occurred to me that my passport has had expired back in January. Yeah, mine too, yeah. Which is a bit of a problem, considering I have flights for Spain booked in nah, two weeks. shit! So, this has been a mad dash, Yeah, where it's effectively cost me more than the holiday itself <laughs> to, to get my passport. Yes, yes. Let, I now let, have a passport, so I can now legally yeah. leave the country again. Aww. And it, but it wasn't It wasn't like a nightmare. I, I walked to the place, you only spent like 20 minutes Well, that was... Yeah, the, the majority of it was airport security style security. Yeah, that's to, my bag that. had to go through an X-ray machine. I had to go through the metal detectors. It was like yeah. being at an airport. Well, I guess this this is precious Sorry. cargo now. These, uh, now. these passports. So the, the difference is it now says United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland on the top. Yeah, 
but not the European Union bit. Because it used to say, let me just double check. It used to say European Community. But some of them are still, um, apparently some of them are still coming out like that because they still have stock left over. So it's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Almost as if it doesn't actually fucking matter. Um, Rumour has it, it's towards the end of the year, the blue passports are going to be uh, coming in. Okay, so this is, you say it's an interim passport. I think it is an interim. You've got a limited edition, bud. It's It's still going to do me for 10 years. You can sell that maybe in like 30 years. Yeah, on eBay, that'd be funny. Oh my God. But you know, I like that. This is great. They've had to come in and talk about this subject and you've actually had to go and uh, reassert your <laughs> national identity. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. I like that. Okay. I don't know how to start. Should we just start? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I could, thought we had to start. Because you, 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 know, you gave, me, like, that, you gave me that little review start. early where you were like, I like your podcast, but 15 minutes in, I didn't know what the fuck you were <laughs> going to be talking about. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just get to the, let's just get to the punch, sunshine. Hey, it's your, it's your podcast. It you is. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's your show. <laughs> I'm just wondering, are you going to have people tune in? Are you going to publicize this when you, uh, when it comes out? Because I know you have, I, I know you have people that you argue with online. <laughs> Do you want them to like, to descend so, on the, from, uh, from the side? I don't, I don't know. They might just go, he hasn't explained himself in 20 minutes. That's something. What? <laughs> 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 and that, Greg, is how we win. <laughs> I can't get some of my closest friends to listen to this podcast. I don't know how I could ever get your enemies to. So, okay, right. Uh, On that note, hi, everyone. You're listening to 50 Uses for the Word Love. I'm Stephen Trumbull, and I love when you're at the train station in London, but you're not in a rush. We did it kind of today. We're we're in Victoria. I have to say that, yeah, that is good when when you don't have to worry about anything yeah because i've been there where i've been running to catch a connecting yeah. train oh my god and i've, I've become a dick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i believe i think i even did once um excuse me while i strain to imagine that <laughs> i know I, I i remember i remember one occasion where i did um i ran past um two people very closely and accidentally knocked <gasps> the suitcase didn't knock them over yeah but i physically felt myself knock the suitcase yeah and i remember hearing their expletive at me. Oh, right. And I felt so bad because I'd become that dick who... Well, for a second, you'd be like... Um, noxious, uh, get out of my way, I've got a train to catch. <laughs> is it, no, I thought you were going to hear like some, some, some crockery and be like, I bet it was something nice, though. <laughs> we're going downtown. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you kicked a child or something. I kicked a child. Like Mr. Hyde in the street. Push people on the tracks. Get yeah. <laughs> Gum up the tracks, but make the make the train just a little bit late. Um, okay, yeah, no, I I, I I love it. I think I remember once going to Victoria. I think it was Victoria because today I met you in Victoria. Yep. And they've put in those seats, so we actually just spent like half an hour just chatting about good. like that film was, trailers because it wasn't. It was just part of a station, and there, there was no obligation. You know, like you can't just sit in a coffee shop unless you buy something. Yeah. And, or well, what I hate is you can't just sit in any. Like I want to buy something from Burger King, but sit in the crap affair. You know, that's what, that's what I want. You got nice non-obligation seats. seats. Just chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. I mean, like the thing. The thing that makes me love it is when you notice that everyone else is in a rush. Yeah. So you get to kind of people watch. And, it, yeah. and there's something beautiful about watching a, mm-hmm. a, a, a throng, you know, a crowd of people. And like, I remember once years ago, finding myself in Victoria Station and I realized I had like a whole hour until I need to get my train. And I think I actually like sat on the floor. Okay. I think that's a very special moment I think, in anyone's life. I, 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 one day I'll write like a fucking poem about this. <laughs> but like... If there's there's only two times in life that I've ever sat on the ground, and it's always during like the best day 
or the worst day. There's only two times when you feel socially acceptable to, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to sit, I don't care if I get dust on my trousers, I'm going to sit in public on the ground. And I did that at Victoria Station, it was just like zen and peaceful. I think that's when you know you've achieved your contentness with life. Yes. Yeah. I can can do this, and I'm comfortable doing it. But then also, the, the flip side is on the worst day, when it's like, oh my god, and you just you just stumble to the ground, <laughs> and you're just like, I just I don't I can't I can't, can't I, I, I can't get up I I won't get up <laughs> and you know what Greg sometimes I think I'm still there <laughs> but I think that's beautiful yeah so that's that's the thing that I love um, today everyone uh, my guest is one of my very best friends Greg Locke hi hey Greg we're really close I'm, we are really close yeah. we're, we're best men <laughs> yeah well you were my best I man I was your best man at, at, at your wedding and you know needless to say if I ever get married you're the guy who I'm going to call. This okay, is This fine. is beautiful. I... This is an incredible type of, of love and friendship. Mm-hmm. And we've known each other. We lived together in uni. We did. That was where the, the friendship became solid. Yep. I think uh, I always put it down to um, you, the friendship is solidified when you cry in front of each other. Yeah. And there was a space of about two we- about a week, maybe, or two weeks, where within that one week, we, we both, both, <laughs> shit we both broke the seal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, and it was like we barely talked about it. Like it wasn't even like a well. I mean, you did cry in front of me the other day, so I guess it was gonna, mm-hmm. you know what's going to have to happen. I'm yeah. free at eight. Uh, <laughs> come by my room. <laughs> and it was just a good. It was very yeah. So um, ever since then, I think we've always been. Um, I think that's what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what qualifies me for this podcast. I think because. Yeah. I, was, I was kind of nervous when you asked me to do this. Cause, Why? Because I've been listening to all your other guests, and they're comedians, and then you had Dave, who's your brother. and I'm, He is very funny, I'm, though. I'm just Greg. You are Greg, <laughs> you're funny. I'm just, I'm just a guy. <laughs> do you know what? This... I'm, I'm the guy, I, don't, I know you probably never watched Top Gear, but they used to, they used to do this, they would just bring on... I would just bring on a guy. Yeah. <laughs> no relevance, no influence. Just some random dude. To be fair, you do sound I'm you sound guy. a lot like the guys who call into Jacob Reese Mogg's radio show. Alright, Jacob, I'm just gonna say I'm gonna you doing a bang up job, mate. I think they should take them out and have them all fucking shot. Um yeah, no, but that's beautiful. No, I, I think I think you know what, Greg, people have a voice. <laughs> and it's yeah. the voice of Greg. It's okay, my, so this is what we're this is my voice. This is what you have to put up with. Now. <laughs> no, this is beautiful. No, I, I think this is really interesting. Firstly, just the fact that you said uh, I don't know if you've seen Top Gear was there's no comedian I know who would ever mention Top Gear in a way that wasn't a shitty joke. Like, right. like, like, like. The thing that's interesting about comedians is I don't know if the listeners will feel this. Like, like comedians are actually quite limited. We all kind of think the same way, at least a little right. bit. So we kind of we need more Greg. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think this is, no. I genuinely think that you're a great idea for a guest. Um, I don't even know where to start. In fact, for you, I don't know where you felt like starting. But like, there are so many different ways we can come at today's topic in relation to your life. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, maybe we should say first that today's word, today's form of love, is patriotism, which we had to Google to how make... to pronounce it. <laughs> pa- patriotism, patriotism, tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, that's really funny because that shows just how much American patriotism has become so infective. The whole world, we just know the word almost as like patriotism. Patriot, I'm a patriot, man. Like that's how we know that word. So it's almost stuck in my brain in that way. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say patriotism. No. And I may, I may 
uh, fall off the wagon a couple of times throughout the. Well, me, me and my wife have a word which we just use to describe that, which is just America. <laughs> <laughs> and it just everyone knows exactly what we mean. If we have any Americans listening, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We have, you, you have a you have a beautiful, beautiful nation. Um, okay, so but you guys do have a song literally called "America." Fuck yeah! Yes, <laughs> and we, we don't we don't have that. We don't have anything close to that. We have uh, we have "God Save the Queen." <laughs> Rule Britannia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Britons never, never, never will give up having slaves. I mean, uh, will be slaves. And a Uh, a shitload of other football songs. (laughs) Exactly. America doesn't quite have uh, stand up if you want to stand up. You're shit and you know you are. (laughs) Do you have any favourite football songs? I'm not into football at all. Um, yeah, but me there's a couple of songs which I like for the musical qualities yeah. of, like yeah. Free Lions. I like because I'm a fan of the Lightning Seeds. Yeah, and I actually like the musical composition of the song. Yeah, but I don't give a shit about the lyrics. I remember that song because so, that was back during that time when it got really exactly. serious, and that's the only time I ever remember liking football. There's was that, also that, to show how out of touch I am. There are songs which. I've really liked not realising they were football songs. Yeah. So um, that um, in no man's land, all together now. That's a football song. <laughs> you thought what you what do you think it was like? Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> hanging out on the old barbed wire or something. And my wife was just actually, actually my wife was just like. Are you for real? You, you, we were watching. We were watching a YouTube video of like the top ten football songs, and that came up. And I was like, "Was that a football song?" Well, it's no man's land. <laughs> and it sounds like something from like the, the, she was, she was the like, trenches. Uh, the football match at World War One. You should. Know. I, yeah, I know about the football <laughs> match at World War One. That- <laughs> it should be like it's a long way to Tipperary. It's an away game. <laughs> so, how many songs out there are secretly fucking football songs? <laughs> this is uh, this is this is sobering. Right. I, I think my dad. Uh, my dad obviously is from Grimsby, and. So uh, I remember 1998, the year of two Wembleys, yep. where I went to two football matches and was physically at a football match. And so Grimsby, you're, you're more of a football fan than I am. Yeah, big time, man, big time. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's just because my dad liked it. And one in one of them, they won the auto windscreen, the auto windscreen shield brag. And um, <laughs> but the song that they sang was um, uh, "Sing when we're fishing." We only sing when we're fishing. That, sing when we're fishing. We only sing. That makes when no we're sense. Yeah, because who sings when you, they're fishing? Also, you do realise that you're singing now, <laughs> and you're not fishing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless you secretly uh, have got like a tiny little stick. Lots of trout in that pit. <laughs> You try to steal somebody else's fish and chips out of his paper in the front in the, in the seat before you. That's how we do it in Grimsby. <laughs> you never stolen another man's fish right out of his paper. Oh God! All right, well, maybe me butchering the northern accent uh, is the 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 right way to end that bit. Okay, so. Um, one thing I, I wanted to come at, come at it from, I'm sure you've got a bunch of things you want to say as well. Uh, how about how about we just lay them out all on the table first and then we can hit them one by one or whatever. Okay. As opposed to like, but like, well, oh, do you want to do it? Well, no, I, I, you know, I, I no, think, no, please, please. So I think the first thing which got me thinking about this was when you asked me to do this. Yeah. And you, you said to me, <laughs> you're the most patriotic person I know. You are. And I'm like, okay. So that got me thinking like, why is that? <laughs> 
It's because I hang out with thieves and and beggars. And it's like why 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 is it's like, I was like isn't everyone? <laughs> no. Well, that's the funny thing. That's the funny thing, Greg. I genuinely believe that it's it's very there's very much been a shift, and I think there's only been a shift in like the last 20, 30 years because. The whole idea, have you ever heard the phrase like citizen of the world? I think that's mm-hmm. quite yep. a very common yeah. but very new phrase. And it's actually, I thought about it the other day, I think it's it's only a very new idea to not be proud of where you're from. It's That used to be just like a standard yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, I can see that. But... Be proud of where you're from. If anyone doesn't know what the word patriotism means, it means to, to, to love your own country, um, uh, to be supportive of uh, and enthusiastic about your own country. It's not to be confused with nationalism, which is another word that we could do. Obviously, the word nationalism will come up a couple of times in this particular episode, but kind of in terms of like what well, is think, and what yeah, isn't na- National identity, I think, is quite a big... Yeah. It kind of is the same thing. I think, yeah, I think what I learned online was that um, nationalism is when you not only do you love your country, you want your country to be to rise above other countries. So it has a kind of a a conquer, a more sinister conquering edge. Yes, Uh, fuck your country. You could be yeah, kind of like that's why you know that's why we have things like the National Socialist Party. Yes, yes, that kind of exactly. uh, Yes, the mentality. Whatever happened to them, man? (laughs) I think there's still some. Got, Sad they're gonna, they're individuals gonna, they're are gonna rebranding. They're gonna rebranding. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. All right. So tell me how you thought coming at it. So, well, you, do you feel very patriotic, or do you just feel not like... at the moment? But I think we'll get to that okay. later on. Yes, we'll get to that later. But I think because I think looking back, yeah, you're right. I I probably was mm. the most patriotic person. And I think I, in my arrogance, assumed that well, everyone else should be mm. like that. Well, maybe you should tell, 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 think, well, tell, tell us where years, you're from. Tell, well, I'm tell, from yeah. Dorset. Okay, which is a very sheltered county on the <laughs> south coast of England. <laughs> and basically, I've come in only in recent years, say probably in the last 10 years or so, I've come to the realisation I've actually had a very sheltered upbringing. It's crazy to think of, yeah, there's the experiences I've had, I have since, you know, I have since lived in, um, also not just Dorset and generally, I lived in a little town, mm. which itself was just sheltered from the rest of Dorset. Wow. Because there are parts of, like, we have Bournemouth, yeah. um, which is, is some multiculturalism going yeah. on in it, Bournemouth. It, it's a hen it's a like stag you know, uh, town. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not like London or Birmingham or any of the big cities, but it is. it does have an element of multiculturalism, yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit of multilingual um, going on. Where, where I lived, just nothing. Yeah. Know? The entire population was just white English <laughs> people white english and the, that li- was the literal, my, literally white that was english. my upbringing yeah no fault yeah. Um, anyway it's, it's oh, just yeah, it's that's just, where i live that's a town that's, yeah of course you know we don't get to choose where we're brought up yeah that's where i was was brought up yeah um so I think that probably may have had something to do with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're from Oxford. Did, did you grow up in in Oxford? I, think, well, I did. Also, grow, you, yes, you grew up in America as well. That's true. I spent two years in America when so I was you, six and seven. So years that's old. kind of some quite formative yes, years. So very you get, much so. You suddenly, I'm in California, which is the yeah. liberal state. We had quite religious neighbours, like very like Christian neighbours, um, who were lovely, but like very kind of like kind of full on America. Did you live people. in a street where they're all putting the stars and stripes up on their front lawn? I can't remember. Remember the stars and stripes, but yeah, it was that kind of suburban. Yeah, you're right. It was like it was like American Beauty. 
Yeah, that kind of thing. It was very cool. But yeah, but just because it was America, America is it embraces multiculturalism, or at least they used to embrace multiculturalism. <laughs> um, you know, but that's the whole point of America. America is a country founded on on immigration. So with Oxford, because it is world renowned for the high quality education, mm. do you get lots of immigration for yes. the education yes. taking a part, taking advantage of yes so the institution so the education of if you were Oxford if, can yeah, give you if we were to rock up to Oxford right now and just spend a night out in Oxford we'd be surrounded by all sorts of people from all over the world getting yeah. the best education in the world and all the English people all you know all the English people we meet are mostly uh, the just the townies the people that live there yeah. just like like I, I always say whenever I say I'm from Oxford everyone goes oh okay but I always expect them to be like so you really you go to uni are you really smart and I'm like no I'm from Oxford like I'm, I'm indigenous <laughs> I'm just I'm a, I'm a, I went to a film school in Dorset. <laughs> like, I am not an intellectual. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's like just because you're from Oxford doesn't mean you're smart. You know, it's like there's a, it's a really big like bohemian uh, part of Oxford. There's quite a, a lot of drugs in Oxford. A uh, cool place, but like you know, it's it, it's just a place. You know, but yeah, well, I definitely had a lot more. Well, exposure it, 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 to it's other people. cool drugs. So I, I believe you you showed me that pub where Bill Clinton had a split, <laughs> but did not inhale. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and they're very proud of the that. turf, the turf tavern. And they've got a little picture. Of they're him very up on proud the wall. of very, that uh, <laughs> connection. Oh my god, it's, it, it tells you so much about politics that, like, uh, only like twenty years later, Obama was like, "Yeah, inhale." That's the point. Bill <laughs> <laughs> was like, "God damn it, I grew up in the wrong decade." As you know, actually, I say I tell like Bill Clinton grew up in exactly the right decade because he wouldn't get away with fucking half the shit that he told. No. Oh my god. Um, okay, that's 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 cool. So you're from this place. You're um, the thing I always remember about you is that you are a scout leader. I was a, was a scout leader. Uh, well, I spent I spent pretty much my entire life in the scouts in some mm. capacity. Yeah, and that. Um, did you ever go to scouts? You took me. I took you. Do you remember? But I was your bringer. It was like it was like it was like bring, bring it was like bring your pet it, yeah, to work was, day. Yeah, I was some event, and it was like yeah, you got a badge if you brought a friend. So I, yes. I brought you along. I got him a fucking badge. You got me a badge, and not only that, I wanted to salute the flag, and you went, well, uh, what, you can't do that. This is what I was going to bring up: is from a young age, it was every Wednesday evening. We were kind of standing at the attention, saluting the Union flag, hmm. and it's like. That's quite for a kid, yeah. And that's how I was raised, and I just, in my naivety, it's almost militaristic, just yeah. assumed that well, that's what every kid my age is. Yeah, they're all saluting the flag, and that's yeah. what we're doing. And yeah, and it's just like okay, that's yeah. So I remember being somewhat shocked. I mean, you didn't do that, that's, yeah. But that's what we did. That's how. That's what we do. You go to university, and all, all the people you meet are like, uh, actually, I hate the government, <laughs> and uh, I believe that we should all move to the moon. I yeah. put my flags on bonfires. <laughs> <laughs> I burn that shit. <laughs> I genuinely believe and this is not just me trying to sound cool, but I think that every American family should burn a flag every night. <laughs> what they should do as a way of representing how the flag protects them, they should all have a, a, a hearth. And they should put a block. They should put a, a, a brick of like uh, fuel and wrap it in a flag. And the flag is flammable. And you set fire to the flag. And every night 
you warm your family to the burning to the flag. flag. That would be patriotism to me. I think that is the best way around that whole flag burning issue. Make it be a symbol of what it represents. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, well, we'll, we'll get to that later. The whole yeah, idea. Pa- Pablo of Escobar did that with wads of cash. Yeah, because he could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's baller. That's why you should do. It. <laughs> it's like America should just be going over, going over to other countries with a big flag and be like, "If I'm willing to do this to me, what do you fucking think I'm going to do?" <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand the whole thing about the flag. I mean, I guess maybe now that you've said that, the idea of it as a child, you are, are you're saluting this thing, and it does mean it something. Just, it means it means to something you and, because it does. And yeah. I, I even um, my mum is still involved in Scouts. Oh, well, uh, she ask, does. Can you ever leave the Scouts? Are you are you retired from? The I'm scouts? retired from the Scouts. Yeah, right. I'm retired from the Scouts. But did you get a watch as part a of a gold watch? <laughs> oh, God no. <laughs> To scouts, not for bloody marines. <laughs> you got a you got a fuck off badge. <laughs> no, thanks for nothing. <laughs> Do you get a certificate? Would you get? Like Do you ever get to come back in and just be like, I get to use the toilets? Anyway, <laughs> 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 I asked. I sort of said to my mum as part of this research. So I was like. Do do you still do they still do the kids still salute the flag? Yeah, yeah. And mum's response was like, Yeah, yeah, like. Keska say shit will go down. Like, about, you know, I'm just like, whoa, okay. The flag is still yeah. important. The flag is still a thing. Okay. <laughs> like, but I remember I wanted to salute the flag when I was there because to me I was obviously because I I'm not, I didn't grow up in that world. I was like, oh, okay, this is fun. There's like my there's like a fun little day off for me. I get to see everyone else saluting the flag, and I was like, oh, Greg, oh, can I can I salute the flag? And, but it's like I was doing it really like ironically, so so it wasn't very respectful. And you were like, no, man, you're not in the scouts. You're like, you're, the to you're, the flag. Let me get my badge and just sit and look fucking pretty, man. Um, but yeah, no, I always actually, I actually, that's it. That's really interesting because I actually felt a pang of exclusion of like, oh, I wish, oh, what? no, I want to salute the flag. You know what I mean? Like, like, do you know what I mean? They get to salute it and I don't get to salute it. And it was like, I genuinely, and it's almost, it's so easy. It's so interesting to see just how easy it is to, to, to make people want things and assign value to something. But yeah, no, they, so you salute the flag. So that, that's your, that's so your that, childhood. That was part of my, that was my, my, that's it. My, my childhood was saluting yeah. the flag. I also went to Thailand with the Scouts. Okay. And that was part of representing the U- United Kingdom Scouts. Wow. So that, again, to have that as a kid, I mean, I was a teen, I think I was 13, 14, but again, yeah. to have that, you are representing your country. You're representing your country. You know, you are going as ambassadors of the UK. Yeah. Again, that's quite a quite yeah. a responsibility to put on you. Like, oh, okay, that's... Did you, how, what did you think of Thailand? Yeah, it was great. Um, I loved it. But also, what was I did notice was how... Um, I think we were told that because scouting started in the UK and this was a scouting event, we would be sought after. And we were in terms of, you know, we do badge swaps, mm. uniform swaps. And English stuff was hot on the market. You know, people wanted... Wait, wait, what do you mean swaps? Like, like you swap a badge. Like, like what, trading like, yeah. like baseball cards kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. Really? With badges. And That's so interesting. And scout shirts. So you walked away with a bunch of, yeah, of I've got, other people's I've got, badges? Yeah, and I've got some uniform. I've got a, a Mexican uniform. I've got a, wow. a, um, I think I've got an Australian one. Sweet. Um, yeah, I've got, you know. Some That's amazing. Badges from loads of different countries. Yeah. But we were getting crowds of people coming to our camp wanting UK stuff. Wow, okay. And again, that just makes you think that, you know, well, I'm on top of the world. And, yeah. You know, everyone thought that we were personal friends with David Beckham. Yes. Um, I mean, at the time, I think the first Harry Potter film had come out as well. Yeah, so yeah. So we were just, like, 
anything, you know, we're on the other side of the world, but yeah. British stuff is being really sought after, and that kind of leaves an impression as right, a teenager. What year is that? That's 2001, isn't it? But it's around, yeah, 2001, yeah. 2002. So we're just coming towards point. the end of the 90s, um, so, kind of Brit pop, kind of like every Britain, cool Britannia. Yeah. So yeah. Like so Beckham people, is like, far, yeah. Yeah, they're all over us, and again, that, that kind of leaves an impression on yeah, you. Um, yeah. In preparation for this, I was trying to think about like how what I like about my country because because we don't want to sell this that like Steve doesn't give a fuck, but it's, Steve hates the country. Well, but no, but I remember <laughs> I remember there've been times in our life where we've met up and you've been scared to talk to me about politics, um, about certain things, and you've you've tiptoed around things, and I'm like, dude, you can talk to me. I think maybe uh, maybe I, I might have like uh, like yelled at you and not realized it one day, and like and like you're like, oh fuck, never mentioned politics in front of Steve because he'll just get angry. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, um, I, I I love you know this country. I'd say um, uh, I try I try to write down, and it's all kind of like the things that kind of we did while we were doing all the heinous shit. You know what I mean? All the taking over the whole world and stuff. In the meantime, the days of the empire. We wrote a lot of good books, and we invented a lot of cool things. Science and and writing, and this this uh, uh, stupid naughty language that we've got that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, if you actually it... try and explain English to people, it's a fucking stupid language. Why does board and board sound the same but it's spelt differently? You idiots. Bow and, bow and bow. <laughs> yes, it's so stupid. <laughs> but oh my god, you, you you get such beautiful phrases <laughs> phrases that can come out of the English language and things like that, and obviously uh, wit and and comedy and music. So it's all the other stuff it's all the stuff that the real the normal people get on with while the 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 empire is off doing terrible <laughs> things uh, that we then go and see in museums and go oh that was bad that that's really really it's really really bad oh oh there's five more rooms okay <laughs> fuck <laughs> okay so what's next we can go through like autobiographically autobiographically for me yeah yeah the... Well, that was kind of that's my upbringing. That was your upbringing. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, this isn't the Greg show, is it? It is the Greg show. <laughs> this is the whole point of the getting the Greg on. So okay, so then you get um, you're a teenager, and this now you're a teenager in the nineties, or you're almost yeah, you well, must be I, yeah. So that is you know Oasis and Blur and Britpop. That is like I wasn't quite a. I don't think I was quite a teenager. Hmm. Um, Eighty six, I was born, so I would have okay. been a bit. Not quite teenager territory. Okay. Yeah, because I would have turned forty. I would have been fourteen in the year two thousand. So really, oh shit. Not... Well, that makes sense actually. That explains why I like the Phantom Menace. It's <laughs> just because, as you keep telling me, it was a film aimed at kids. Yes. And we were kids. Yes. At the time. Yes. It's why we're so lucky that we're that we like Batman. Yeah. Because. Every time, every age we've been, someone's been making Batman movies for our age, <laughs> and they've only stopped now. <laughs> yep. That's pretty. And it cool. explains why I had a, a fondness for Die Another Day because yes, oh it my was god. made for. Oh my <laughs> it god, it's like yes. film, yes. and I was a kid loving oh it. Oh my god, oh man! And I look back and I go, oh my god, what the hell was this piece of shit? You know, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about politics and stuff, but that could be the most controversial thing you, that's on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> I like to die another day. Yes. <laughs> Including the Madonna song. In fact, you know what? Fuck it. I quite like the Madonna song. I, uh, I still I never I... got completely okay. sold on it. Okay. Well, that was my olive branch. <laughs> <laughs> Rosamund Pike's great. Rosamund She's Pike's super good. cool. Hey, I that was the birth I, of a star. I, I, will, I will shamefully admit that I thought the kite surfing was cool. I'm going to take a long sip of my glass. <laughs> so patriotism... 
actually have a quote. Um, I have a couple of quotes that I'll, I'll break out. I've, I've, I've been, I've actually really enjoyed uh, looking up this stuff because unlike a lot of the other words we've done in this podcast, there's a lot said about, about patriotism and nationalism. So, um, I found some really interesting ones by, uh, George Orwell, obviously, the right. writer of 1984 and Animal Farm. Um, but he wrote a lot of interesting, like, essays around the wartime. And I found these, these essays and there's this one that he did called The Lion and the Unicorn. And it's all about socialism and the English genius. And it's basically, <laughs> Because the thing is, people write him off as not being very patriotic because of stuff like 1984. Yeah. And, you know, also, you know, just because he's George Orwell, they assume he's very anti-establishment and anti-government and stuff. And it's like, he's actually, one of his uh, essays was called England, Your England, where he basically uh, says what he loves about England. He just talks about the people of the country. And he basically says, uh, <laughs> this is what I find so funny about this. I'll read you a quote of this and I'll tell you what it reminds me of. Okay. And then you can maybe tell me what you think it reminds you of. Okay. He says that the way he would primarily describe the Englishness is a love of flowers. Love of flowers. And he says, we are a nation of flower lovers, but also a nation of stamp collectors, pigeon fanciers, amateur carpenters, couple strippers, darts players, crossword puzzle fans, all the culture that is most truly native centers around things which, even when they are communal, are not official. The pub, the football match, the back garden, the fireside, and the nice cup of tea. Okay. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the first chapter of Lord of the Rings <laughs> concerning hobbits. He's basically saying, like, we're just a bunch of, like, we're, like, the normal English we're people. We can be. <laughs> we just like sitting in our back garden, enjoying the sunshine. Like, we're just nice people. Well, that's what we are. That's the, that is the core of who English people should think of themselves. Not the kind of the evil empire from Star Wars, you know what I mean? That actually reminded me of The Great Escape. Hmm. The squadron, squadron leader Bartler, played by Mr. Attenborough. Yes. It's like, we're going to uh, devote our attention to, to the cultural side of gardening and... <laughs> Like, you know, the culture in England, and meanwhile, we dig. Yes. And there's this whole scene where um, they're, dis- they're discreetly disposing dirt from the tunnel mm. on these little allotments they've got. Mm. And the commandant comes up to over to inspect, and he's like, but, you know, you usually grow flowers, and <laughs> in English, you grow flowers. <laughs> and, like, you can't eat flowers, because they're putting yeah. potatoes in these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool, man. No, I, I, think, I think it's absolutely true. I, uh, George Orwell is one of those funny guys, because... He's a bit of a badass. Did you know that he like fought in like the Spanish Civil War? And oh, so right. during the Blitz, the writer of 1984 taught people in like the Dad's Army how to do street fighting nice. and like like guerrilla tactics. You know, like if you're gonna uh, raid a house, make sure you, you drop something. You come in through the roof. You don't go in through the front door. You go in through the fucking roof. That's how you, uh, you know. So it's like he was actually this kind of secret badass. You know, you think we think of him as the writer of these like uh, kind of interesting novels, but he was he was a very much a, a patriotic man and and like did his duty when he needed to and stuff. I find that very interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of people who've who've written interesting things about this. I've got several quotes. I'll throw a few of them at you if you want. Okay, go for it. You'll recognise some of them. Uh, Patriotism is the virtue of the wicked, according to Oscar Wilde. Which I only know because it's in the was rock. That, was that said by a Scotsman? <laughs> I only know that line because it's because it, it's said by Sean Connery in the Rock. <laughs> and then Ed Harris hits him in the head, and he's like, "Thank you for for proving my point." Um, okay, I've got uh, patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel, says Samuel Johnson. I've got patriotism is the willingness to kill and be killed for trivial reasons, okay. which I think was Bertrand Russell. I think. Uh, I hate patriotism. Can't fucking stand it. 
It's a round world, last I checked, Bill Hicks. Voltaire said, It is lamentable that to be a good patriot, one must become the enemy of the rest of the world. When you ask the Oxfordian-type people, Mm -hmm. they don't have nice things to say about patriotism at all. But I think it's completely... It's... I don't know. It's very It's not how I necessarily thought of it. I... No. You know, I always thought of it as appreciating your country and... I don't see any reason. There's nothing against being in love with your country and loving what your country does, I guess, if... Well, no, I'm not thinking of You know, the shit ton of Connollys we killed and the invasions we did, but there are other things that (laughs) England has done. Well, it's almost like how how do you have self-respect in a world where, where, you know, everything by nature, life, you have to be kind of selfish. So it's almost like... In the way, the same way that you have to have self-love as a as an individual, you also need to be able to have love yeah. for where you're from. Also, it all comes down to family at the end of the day. In the the reason people love our countries is because it's it's where our families are from. And what is life if not to kind of protect your family? Exactly. And yeah. the country just becomes an extension of your country. Is the thing that keeps your family safe, keeps it warm. So why would you not love the country as well? Completely. What what was the next step? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I sort of brought up um, thinking of what the reasons to love. Do the it. UK. No, no, because now, now, now that I've just had some of the greatest minds in literature shit all over prejudice, let's well, see, this, do is this. A, this is a, the shit I thought of why I yeah. would find reason to love the country. And that was mm. event, essentially our contributions to music and film. Yes. Because I think that we are up there. Oh, big time. Yeah. Um, so I've sort of just gone through uh, music. You know, we do have the Beatles. Yep. Uh, that's that's what, what's the Beatles? Chop liver? No, exactly. No, that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we're Rolling Stones. If you wanna, if you wanna. Well, that's the, that's the thing as well. Wanna, yeah. And also, you know, where people say, you know, in the in the sixties, you were either Beatles or Stones. Yeah. They were two equally great and influential mm. bands. Yeah. Yeah. In the seventies, it's all like Zeppelin or the Who. Yeah. Again, big influential. Yeah. Both yeah. of them. You know, moving to the eighties, was it like Duran Duran or Spandu Ballet? Yeah, Bally? yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still big. Yeah, and then of course we go bring into a Blur Oasis. In yeah, the, in the nineties. So it's like the country you know, owns both sides of the de- argument each, each decade. Time. Both, yeah, we've still got you know these. Yeah, but also you know other ones as well. Um, Queen, you know, yeah. and, big time. You know, that's in recent. You know, we know recently that's become a massive film as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with good very, reason. Very, very influential. Yeah, you know, that's his music that we. Uh, more recently, you have bands like Radiohead, Muse, Coldplay. Mm, mm. I, I've lost my. I, I used to like Coldplay. I think they've become too pre- pretentious now. I, but I, I, I defend Coldplay every now and again. I'm a, I'm a, well, I'm the a first, big. Uh, the yeah. first three albums, yeah, I, I love. But then they just became. But and same, same, with, same with Muse. And, you know, Muse went all dubstep and just lost their way. <laughs> the f- uh, Muse was, is so fucking good. Basically, but, everything that we used to talk about in uni is now yeah. gone. But these. They are still selling out worldwide stadiums, yeah. you know. And also as well, I've sort of got a brief sort of thing here where I've just put uh, synth 80s. You know, we, we yeah. invented, in my yeah. uh, opinion, we did invent yeah. synthesizers. And, yeah, well, yeah, Robert Moog in America yeah. invented a synthesizer, but we have embraced it, I yeah. think. And uh, I do think, you know, in time tell that I think the French did it better, you know, with Daft Punk and yeah. Jean-Michel <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, like, like uh, I remember during the, the 90s, during that Brit, Brit pop time, you talk about saluting the flag. The time in my life where I saw the most Union Jack flags. So Jerry Halliwell. <laughs> <laughs> and I saluted it every night, buddy. <laughs> I think you went by yourself saluting. 
No, that was when I saw one Union Jack a lot of times. No, uh, I would say that whole that that was the time the nineties was when I saw that flag all over the place. I think it was young people definitely. Had I think it. growing up in the nineties, mm. I think a lot of, and a lot of these influences I've taken from you know I've sort of just used Britpop, but you know but we are talking obviously Blur Oasis, mm. Pulp, Suede, Alaska. Mm. There's so many bands which was massively influential, mm. and yeah, it's just we. I feel that we grew up in this time when, yeah, we are an invincible country. Well, yeah, and but 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 like the children had yeah. had embraced it. It was like it was like it was no longer associated with stuffy grown ups. It was like rebellious. Like we're we're young. We 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 watch the Big Breakfast on Channel oh, God, Four. The big breakfast. You know what I mean? Live and kicking. Live and kicking. <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? And it was like the Glastonbury, and we'd have the fucking Union Jack on our t-shirts, and we do drugs, and we dance all night. And it's like this fucking. It was like oh my god! Like they actually managed to turn like the symbol of like the most like colonial empire of of all history, practically. I think as well. It also and turned um, into about rebellious youth. Because also, again, we uh, just briefly touching on. The, the politics of the situation as well was when we had new labor and, yes you know it was almost like we've the idea was you know we come out of this mm. the dark ages of thatcher, thatcher and major yeah and now you know here's tony blair and look at him he's amazing yeah he's got he's young he you was know, in a band he's, he's a, cool yeah. Yeah. and it's just this whole he's young he's he's fresh he's new and mm. here he is new labor yeah you know, princess and, diana like yeah, it was exactly. Everyone, we're yeah. just full of the, these cool young icons of people. And then obviously, yeah, yeah. we had those brief you know, for Spice Girls again. Yep, yep, they were just sort of taking over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and also I think at the same time as well, just looking at the, I've gone into films as well. Mm. And again, going back, um, you know, obviously I know we both have interest in films. Yes, yes, yes. So I sort of went back a bit. I remember when I was uh, doing film studies, you know, we really studied the swinging sixties mm. and how amazing our the films were. I mean, yeah, we had. With the Beatles, we had Hard Day's Night. Yeah, um, yeah. Of course, Alfie, the Italian job. Yeah. And the Italian job is just like everything yeah. in Britain is Get just. Get Carter. Oh, yeah. I mean, a bit, oh my God, they actually they have the Union Jacks on the cars, on, don't they? That's what it was a red, white, and blue yeah. Mini Cooper. And again, yeah. it was a Mini Cooper, you know, this, this British car. And yeah. it was just everything about it. And the fact that the criminals do their getaway dressed as patriotic England mm. football team supporters. Yes. Because there was a, happened to be a football match going on. And it's just. Again, this amazing Britain is amazing kind of yeah. thing. And this is the sixties. And, and what's the song they're singing in the prison? Oh, what's his name? Da, 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 England. Yeah, yeah. Like they're, they're like doing like saluting. Rapping, yeah. They managed to make criminals. Well, no coward is representatives yeah, of our Queen's. It's Queen's way. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Oh my uh, god. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, and again, I even looked into. Um, Going from the 60s into the 70s, um, yeah. we had things like um, Elstree Studios and Pinewood. Yeah. And, you know, you look at uh, where Star Wars, which became you know, one of the biggest... Yes. Where was that made? Elstree right. Studios. Yeah, back, right yeah. in our back garden, yeah. Exactly. And then also um, Pinewood, um, the 007 stage. Yes. For, well, for James Bond films. Yeah. You know, we, we pretty much... <laughs> you know, when, when Spielberg made Indiana Jones, what was it he said? I wanted to make a James Bond film. Yes. Yes, and they wouldn't let him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, and then um, I think when we were in the nineties, when we were growing up, I think we I think so when Channel Four films became mm. yes, Film Four, Channel Four big, films, this big kind of global I force. That. I remember that time and, yeah, so the, much. The films that they yeah. had involvement. I mean, um, Danny Boyle is mm. he's always been my favorite director. 
Well, yeah. not always be. With great reason. I was like, too like, young to see films like Train Spotting yeah. back then. But I don't know if I could put a name on my favourite filmmaker, but I have, Matt, you know, I have mad respect for that yeah. choice. That is a brilliant, so, brilliant director. Exactly. And I think everything he does, it, it, even the films which aren't well received, yeah. I still think he's. <laughs> well, it's he's like, amazing. it's like, it's, I think I think I've said this to you a billion times, but he's the he is a director who is how old is he? Like fifty. I think he's pushing sixty. Wow. He's, okay. he's late fifties at least. Yeah. He directs like a 25 year old yeah he every single film even if it's not his best one is done with a, a degree of of joy de vivre and fucking energy and alertness and presentness exactly it's so fucking good yeah he's and brilliant. i think you know with films like train spotting then we had um guy Ritchie, we had lock stock and then snatch mm. um, we also had films like the full monty mm. it's kind of where if if there was any film movement which could take on Hollywood, yeah. I felt that we were actually yes. pushing. Well, I remember that. vividly watching the Oscars uh, that year, and fucking <laughs> Billy Crystal's doing his opening musical number at the stage, and he's and, you know he does like a song at the yeah. end where he started talking about the Full Monty, and it's like how fucking weird is it that <laughs> Billy Crystal is right is singing a comedy song about Northern steel workers. <laughs> That's amazing. It's not showing. It's not growing. It's not going strong exactly. this year. It's in Monty to show skin, Monty. You don't have to look like Leo, Matt, or Ben. <laughs> but also, I've then, I've then gone on to still trying to think of films. I was trying to think, wait, okay, let's look at the last 19 years. Okay. Um, we haven't done much, but I've noticed that we are getting these, these big American names in the industry actually loving English stuff. Okay. So the two examples I've got... Okay. Was um is Spielberg seems to love the UK. Hmm. So, it, I mean, like, he he spotted Mark Rylance. Yes. In, uh, it was a West End theatre performance. Yes. And you know, we 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 knew Mark Rylance from seeing him in Intimacy and uh, right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> he, yeah. He'd always been this kind of theatre guy. I forgot guy. that it was him in Intimacy. That was him. You have seen. I'm too him busy naked. looking at his cock. <laughs> 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 You have seen the BFG. <laughs> I've seen his snows coma. <laughs> That's a brilliant. I remember it was like it was the first year of uni, wasn't it, that we watched that film? Brilliant, but again, brilliant film. He's he's a you know this he's made this guy into a, a massive hit. Um, whenever I think of Spielberg, I actually always think of um, a story which I um, think your parents. Yes. Encounter where they yes. were, was it the National Gallery? Yes, my parents and saw oh, they, they, um, they, Spielberg. They yeah. saw Spielberg. He was with Kate Capshaw, yes. wasn't it? And they were trying to. Your parents were trying to enjoy the painting. So yes. like, well, Spielberg's too much of a distraction. Let's go into the next room. And, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Spielberg fucking followed him <laughs> and kept doing this. Now, like Spielberg stalking us. <laughs> it was basically the film duel, but instead of. <laughs> Instead of a car, it was my parents. And instead of a giant truck, it was Steven Spielberg and his wife. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously he's a fan of England. And that, exactly. if you can't get more England than no. Bill and Penny Trumbull. <laughs> and then the other guy I brought up, was I've written down, is J.J. Uh, Abrams and how um, he watched Shaun of the Dead. Oh, really? And was just like, yeah. I want that. He was, I think he was in pre-production for Mission Impossible 3. Right. And was like, I want that guy in my film, meaning Simon Pegg. Yeah. And the rest is history. Oh, fuck. Simon Pegg has now been in Star Trek and Star he's Wars. Written, <laughs> he's written Star he's Trek. Written. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. You're absolutely right. There's also the thing called, the they call it the British Invasion, which is where a lot of uh, 
British actors and talents that even in the comic books they talk about it with like I think Grant Morrison it was a British the British oh, yeah. invasion yeah. where where people you know Neil Gaiman and all that kind of stuff suddenly became huge names in comic books in, in America as well and then in uh, we basically started becoming America's best superheroes yeah. so you, suddenly you got Christian Bale Andrew Garfield Henry Cavill suddenly it's like it's like it, we, we, we if you if you need a, a you know a lead actor. You know, they outsourced them. You exactly. Know I mean? Imagine how much egg on their face would it have been if we'd got Cap. If they'd been, been an English Captain America. <laughs> well, to be fair, I still maintain that the um, the best interpretation of Robin Hood, the quintessential British folklore hero, yes. is still Kevin Costner. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's oh, kind of no. embarrassing. <laughs> that is embarrassing. <laughs> it's not very patriotic. You know, <laughs> that's kind of still. See, I thought great. you were going to say the the Disney, the the Disney Fox. That's a, that's usually everyone's favorite Robin Hood, and that's Disney. That's as American as you can get. Exactly, it's American's so, apple pie. Uh, so we we still haven't even been able to do that one. Mm. All right, you know. Okay. We've done. Did you know that? Um, just also thinking of all this stuff. Um, Doctor Who. Uh, oh yes. You know that Tom Hanks was a massive Doctor Who fan. No. And when they were, um, they actually um, offered him the part for the uh, Paul McCann. Um, wow. And he turned around and said, "I appreciate the offer. Yeah. Um, I can't do it though. This is your. This is a British thing. Yeah. There's no way that your audience is going to allow me, yeah. Yeah. Tom Hanks, to wow. to be the Doctor." Oh my god. And I was like, "Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. <laughs> we would have. <laughs> Who could he be?" <laughs> Could he be a character, but not the Doctor? Who would he be? Just some Time Lord, some sort of the, pri- the the president of Gallifrey or something. Yeah, Maybe. Could, one of the bad guys. He could. he could be the master. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. We have so much influence so, on on culture. I think that's some, that's, that, that, that's nice reasons to. to Those love are definitely the UK. reasons. That's to love the UK. that's nice. Yeah. It's nice reasons to mm, mm. you know we. Yes, we can still acknowledge the atrocities that the Empire oh, yeah, of course. did. Okay. But yes. these are for the, these are the reasons I. Yes, love the UK. Hmm. Hmm. It's just is that it's very easy to be patriotic when you are when you when that is where you find your your joy is the things is the things that you enjoy. If you look at like Blur and Oasis, and you're just like I'm I'm having a good time and I'm wearing the flag on my t-shirt and I feel great. Yep, and I'm and we're not at war. That <laughs> and was we a good have time. Some money. <laughs> we're putting energy into education again. I feel pretty good. Yeah, this country is great. Really, I think the ideal uh, idea of patriotism is that it's about people. Uh, there's a, a quote by E.M. Forster, the writer E.M. Forster, and what he said is that um, uh, he 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 takes all his value from from the people, the people yeah. that he likes, and he says, "If I had to choose between betraying my country and betraying my friend, I hope I should have the guts to betray my country," which I think is a lovely sentiment, yeah. and I think that's where we find our yeah, but our our patriotism is rooted in in the things that bring us joy and the people we respect. Yeah. Okay, so, what's next? Greg show. Oh, God. Moving along. No. <laughs> I am your guest. Uh, I'm, I did I'm a very... just along for the ride, Greg. I'm just along for the ride, Greg. <laughs> I did a very quick sort of few bullet points on sort of culture and some of the, uh, the more sensationalised stories that we had. Uh, sensationalised? <laughs> back in the... Uh, so things like the Cray Twins. And oh, right. kind of... Nearly everything you've mentioned. Do you know what's really interesting? No, this is fucking interesting. Okay. Everything you've mentioned that, that has made England cool, the, the bringer of the patriotism has been the criminals. Yep. 
the rebellious people. Like, you know, you, you've got the craze, you know, but you also, you were mentioning the Italian job. It's a bunch of fucking thieves. Yeah, not what we, we love that shit. Ne'er-do-wellers. Exactly. Well, that's kind of what, I just feel that some of our characters are, you know, going on from the Cray twins, that then got me thinking about Lord Boothby and how, <laughs> just how that's far more interesting than the Watergate scandal, yes. in my opinion. Remind me who Lord Boothby Lord was? Lord Boothby, he was effectively, he was one of the, back in the day, well, we still have these posh twats as well, <laughs> but he was... <laughs> Newsflash! <laughs> posh twats! That, that, was an, that was an exclusive for, for <laughs> listeners of 50 uses for the word love, apparently... Posh twats are still at large. But Lord Boothby was effectively, um, I think it was um, uh, Ronnie Cray, the um, the one who was a bit more... Yeah, the, the, kind of nut, the wild the nut, one. The nutter. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he, was, he was a homosexual. Um, he introduced Lord Boothby to some of his... Lord Boothby was also a closet homosexual. Right. And um, Ronnie Cray introduced him to some of his young boy-aged lovers. Yeah, it got creepy as shit. But basically, um, I believe photographs were taken and it effectively gave the craze a free pass to do what the fuck they wanted in the East End of London. Because it made them invincible and it's just... You can't write this shit. You know, this is kind of... (laughs) This reminds me. The gangsters had properly infiltrated the Lords. Yeah. And... (laughs) There was nothing the Prime Minister could do about it. Well, that's what happens when you have... Macmillan was trying to get it under wraps and was like, no. I wouldn't want to look at Reese Mogg's closet. (laughs) And it's just, you know, that kind of stuff where, you know, I gave... Guess the Americans have Nixon to, to look yeah. on to. Yeah, they got that. <laughs> Which that, is quite bad. Yeah, that's that? pretty bad. That's, but, but at least that was just good old-fashioned corruption <laughs> yeah. and, and paranoia. Well, that's like, just the way it asked, It's just a bit more, you know, the press kind of just go a bit more to town on yeah. this potential, you know. It's and just, we have the tabloids over here as exactly. well. We basically we, invented. that. Well, that's another, that's, a, that's actually a quite a negative export that we gave to America, tabloid news. Um, uh, that's arguably infecting the world in a very bad way. We're the ki- we were the fucking kings of that shit. But the press love it, and they it sells newspapers, and you know. It reminds me of that story of when, um, obviously, I was Greg's best man. I I'm not very good at arranging parties, okay. And I had to do the stag night. It was a good night. It was a good day, wasn't yeah. it? We we hung out in London. We went all over. We played uh, uh, air tag. Was that was of the of the arch uh, air uh, archery. archery tag? It was archery tag. Yeah, I don't know why I can't remember. It's, 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 <laughs> you organised. <laughs> I organised the fucking thing, <laughs> and there was bad man themed uh, clues and uh, pub crawls and it was great fun and it was a wonderful day but I remember at one point we'd just done the archery and we were moving between pubs and it was like where is this pub? It's like oh it's miles away and we were all kind of like slightly flagging and we were like How about, okay let's go into this pub here and we walk we walk into the pub and then about we're like okay this pub's okay it's not I think I knew before yeah. we walked in oh you knew well I didn't because I think I spotted it you spotted it and then you <laughs> came up to me and you went Steve <laughs> Steve did you pick this pub especially for me because it's my stag night and I was like uh maybe what 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 and he went you went this is the place. Was it Ronnie or Reggie? It was Ronnie. This is the place where <laughs> Ronnie Cray killed that guy. <laughs> was, yeah, the blind, the blind beggar. You know. <laughs> and, and I was like, he was like, "Did you pick this for me? Because you know it's my special day." It's like, no, I didn't pick the murder pub because it's your special day. <laughs> but we spent an hour in there and it was great fun. Yeah, it was like, it was like, well, they, just... they, they, but the pub loved it. They, they embraced it. it. They had it. You know, Big this, time. Had this spot. Yeah, Ronnie Cray barged in and shot. 
I think it was uh, Jack McVitie or uh, yeah, yeah, one, yeah. I forget. Just the walked name. in, and put there a bullet in his head. There right? was two yeah. of them because they each killed, they each murdered someone yeah. in a similar sort of time scale, and that's what they went down for. Yeah. Each went down for a murder. Yeah, but the, the Ronnie Cray one happened in the Blind Beggar. And, yeah, yeah. He just walks in, just in front of, in front of everyone. And yeah. Oh my out god. Again. And they had like newspaper clippings on the wall and stuff. That was, yeah. that was wonderful. Yeah. They, they loved yeah. it. But it is, it is a tourist attraction. We love that. We love the uh, the craziness for some reason. Hmm. So I, I even just written in serial killers. <laughs> again, just thinking that in London, you know, it's like the Jack the Ripper tour. Yes, go, go of course. And see where Jack the Ripper, <laughs> yeah, cut up prostitutes. Yes, <laughs> again, the nation's favourite pastime. After, also, it, after flower potting, <laughs> but it came to make me realise as well. We we all, we have that every decade, we do have a prominent serial killer. Do we in this country? <laughs> oh, I guess you had like well, Myra Hindley in the sixties. Yes. We had. Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. Oh my god. For seventies we had the Yorkshire Ripper. Yes. But in the eighties is kind of when you had um Fred and Rose West. Right. Oh my god. It's always couples. <laughs> and in the early nineties we had Harold Dr. Harold Shipman. Oh my god. But again You don't think about the brute. I was I was thinking about like American. Think of Ted Bundy. Yeah, and, Bundy uh, and Dharma and stuff. But we we, but, we we were competitive in this field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could we could do a bit of that. We could play a game of mixed doubles with our fucking zero killers is always coming twos. I feel that you know we it's bad it's horrible but it's again bad. this is kind of a sensationalised image that we yeah. see of how crazy England can get but the press yeah. seems to love it and well it's almost like what you say about uh, Lord Boothby it's that like it's that darkness right under the surface of what is supposedly meant to be this elevated virtuous you know polite formal class system that we have this such a rigid system in this country that it's like we can't wait to see how fucked up everyone is under all the piousness and the politeness and stuff. It's crazy. Okay, uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about ambulance. Okay, because you're you're, you're a paramedic. I'm a, I'm a paramedic. This yeah. I think another reason why I see why I said that you're the most patriotic guy I know because I remember when you were trying to become a paramedic and you were very worried that you weren't going to be one. Right, because you know this was after film school, and you were worried: Am I have I missed the boat? Am I not going to be able to do it? And you were applying, and then you said to me something along the lines of: You said if I don't get in, I'll join the army. Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and I remember getting really worried for you. I remember having a conversation with you about it, and I was like, "Why? Well, don't do that. They'll send you to like Iraq or Afghanistan." Do you know what I mean? And and but I, I remember it's that thing of just that scout leader thing of like you couldn't imagine a world in which you weren't fulfilling some form of public service or duty, and that, my friend, is pretty fucking patriotic, or at least it's very decent in a way that yeah. most people aren't in these days. That most people are quite uh, you know hashtag ironic about things like that. And I remember saying to you that my biggest fear wasn't even necessarily that you would die. Which is a strange thing to say, because you're my best friend, but it's the idea that you might have to go over and kill some other poor guy that didn't deserve to die. That you would have to go over and kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That upset me. And, and uh, fortunately for, for uh, unnamed swaths of people who could have died if not for Greg Locke <laughs> fixing their, you know, um, uh, their body, um, you became a paramedic, which is great. How do you feel about that? Um, yeah, um, it's a hard job. It is. Um, it's a very stressful job. Um, yeah. I could go on forever off topic about <laughs> how flawed the system is. Yes. And how morale is 
yeah, shit. Yes. But you know, this is we don't want to depress everyone. Yes. <laughs> also, also, it is arguable that fifty uh, percent of the reason you wanted to become a paramedic is because of Martin Scorsese's bringing out the dead. <laughs> so not necessarily just because you. <laughs> and the other fifty percent is because I think I look good in green. Yes, you do. <laughs> you you objectively do. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds but, me of just reminds me of um, yeah. Reese Darby um, in Flight of the Concord. He plays Murray, the the manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, he used to be in the New Zealand Army, mm. and he quickly left the army. And they asked him why, and he always maintains that I quickly realised that I was more in love with the idea of dressing up like a soldier than actually being in the <laughs> army. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A part of me thinks like maybe I just wanted to dress up like a paramedic. That's entirely possible. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't actually care about people. I just want to like, dress up like a paramedic. Okay, so not that Patrick. <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah. You, you get to see all walks of life, I guess, and you you, you kind yeah. of um the one interesting aspect of a job is you know one job you'll go into the. Especially when I, I was working in London, you know, I would literally did a job in the Ritz Hotel, mm. the most poshest place ever, <laughs> and then straight away I was into a a very sort of rundown council estate in mm. southeast London. Yeah. You know, and you do you do literally just go from one extreme to another, and you do sit, meet people from all sorts of walks of life. And again, London is such a, a multicultural, multilingual city, mm. you know, mm. which I think is brilliant yeah. to be completely honest. Yeah, and I think. A world away from where you grew up. Yeah, uh, yeah I was in the London Ambassadors for four years uh, before moving back to Dorset and the amount of exposure and the culture and what I learnt, mm. not just about other people, but as what I learnt about myself. Mm. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll never regret that. Uh, mm. So, and I've gone back to, to Dorset and deal with uh, the sheltered folk. You don't, <laughs> don't realise that <laughs> this world exists within the M25 called yeah. London. <laughs> What's the what's the number one cause of ailment in the in the in Dorset? Do you think what's the majority of your calls? The majority just... of calls would be the elderly falling over. five percent of the time, yeah, we do serious shit. But the rest of the time, mm. yeah, there's lots of yeah um, minor shit. Yeah. You've given you've you've delivered at least one baby. Uh, six six fucking babies, man. Six babies. That's amazing. That is beautiful. That is so beautiful. How many were they in London or? or uh, four in London, two in. That's Dorset. so fucking cool, man. That, that that brings us to another reason to love the country: the NHS. We have the NHS, which, uh, even though it has no money, is still. Yeah. For, for fourth is there. It is still in principle. Uh, it's such a cynical uh, um, manipulation right. that the pe- the assholes who are trying to make us destroy the NHS are the people that defund it, yeah. and therefore make us make trying to con ordinary people into thinking that it's useless and it doesn't work. It's like it sh- does fucking work. Just give it fucking money instead of giving it to yourself, exactly. and then trying to privatize it. So, oh my god, the NHS has been there for me. Uh, I won't go into it, but like even from the beginning. In my like, I almost died when I was born. The NHS has been there for several of the key moments of my life. I remember when I was a kid, not realizing that it was a new thing. That it only yeah. came about after the Second World War. Forty-eight, I believe, is when it fucking forty-eight. Came out. I remember thinking that like Henry VIII had the <laughs> NHS, <laughs> <laughs> and that he only he, he, he obviously he split with he split with the Pope, yeah. and he created the NHS. <laughs> Imported garlic in from France to be smeared yeah. into the wounds. 
mustard seeds, <laughs> waving lavender branches. All the doctors had those cool um, uh, uh, plague doctor, plague doctor beaks. <laughs> that was the big infection control movement of yeah. 1548. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was it was embarrassingly recently when I realised that it was, it was so recently because I it's like again what you say about when you grow up and you think you're saluting the flag and you're like I can't everyone else does this, yeah, this when is- I was growing up I was like I have the NHS all other countries have a version of, of, a, of an NHS we all live in a world where yeah. if you get hit by a car someone will pick you up and, and save your life it's beautiful it's a completely beautiful thing. Do you think that came about just because the Second World War, we've been through so many horrible things? I like to think so. I like to think that was when they realised that we need to... I think the main thing with the NHS, what I see, is when it was formed, it was effectively unifying classes of people. Mm. And it didn't matter whether you were poor or rich. Mm. Everyone had the right. At point of delivery of free healthcare, yeah. I think that's... You know, you it's, can't argue with that. You can't. And, and again, the same thing with America, with the New Deal... And like, uh, I just don't get like, it. It's like I it's just, just don't understand why. Why if they? I mean, it always reminds me of a scene in the uh, the Doctor Who film with Paul McGann. Oh right, when um Sylvester McCoy, yes, when he he materializes in L.A. Yes, immediately gets machine gunned. Yeah, he gets, he gets gangland <laughs> drive by shot. <laughs> like, <laughs> Welcome know. to Brooklyn, pal. <laughs> <Just like, laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? But well, it's like East LA or something. Where is he? Where is he? He's in some city. He's in some city. Seems like LA. I'm yeah. just being. I'm just being judgmental. With I mean, it's, Ameri- it's an American pilot, so but it's almost the point like is, shot he's in, in the back of the ambulance. His blooded, bullet-hole-ridden body is there. <laughs> so Eric, <that's> the <laughs> Eric Roberts is the paramedic. Yes, and he looks at the guy and sort of says, "You know, I need you to sign." Sign mm. this, you know, because you know, they need a social security number, and the guys, like, I'm not signing anything. And Eric Roberts, Roberts says, I can't do anything for him unless I have a signature. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what the hell? He's just been machine gunned. Yes, exactly. That's insane. And it's I've, insane. I've, um, I've had it where I've, um, I've met people whenever I go to patients, and we always, we eventually get onto the subject of how great the NHS is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've met people who have had experiences of American healthcare when they've been on holiday oh, in America. Yeah, and. And this comes from me, I, well, especially when I was in London, you know, we went to tourists all the time and we picked them up and take them in. And I yeah. believe that there, a charge does happen if they stay a night in hospital. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of like, if it can be done in the day, generally mm. speaking, it is free. Mm. Yeah. But in America, I had people, um, they had these big problems and like out of hours doctors were called, mm. ambulance came up and no joke, they walked in with a credit card machine and before wow. they would even ask any questions on what is wrong... Oh, my God. There was, like, a 500-quid consultation It's fucking thing. unbelievable. Just to, just to, you know... That's their way of life. They don't like, know anything else. And like, like if you... The, the, the big conversation happening in America right now is universal healthcare. Yeah. And it's basically, like, they're try, they're, they, they've been trying until they're blue in the face to try yeah, and that, tell people... To say to people, it's what every other civilised nation has. Exactly. And this, one of the examples is the, this couple, they, they had a bad case of food poisoning. Yeah. And the doctor came in, charged him 500 quid, and literally just told him to keep hydrated. <laughs> I was like, that was that. Yeah, keep hydrating because <laughs> you've just been fucking rinsed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God, that's so interesting because it's like, it, it, it's like, it's that capitalist, the capitalist nirvana, isn't it, America? So it's like, the, 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 the alternative to the NHS, if anyone's out there and they think the NHS is shit, the alternative is that people 
get to profit off you slowly dying. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what, what privatized healthcare is or, or, or anything else that isn't a kind of a baseline public option exactly. uh, health service. It's and if you're if you if you're thinking that black market organs and backstreet <laughs> abortions are bad, just think why they exist in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a per- that's a brilliant reason to be patriotic. God bless the NHS. <laughs> never 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 take it away. Alright, awesome. What's next on your list? Well, which one do you want to do first? Because like, maybe, 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 maybe we should go politics. Because because the two I've got left are um, politics and your grandfather. Oh, you want if we can so, do the grandfather? Let's like, save the grandfather because he'll be the happy one. Okay, Let, let's go into the dirt now. Okay, so Brexit. <laughs> Brexit. What's that? <laughs> Brexit is exactly why I have fallen out of love with this country. Wow. Okay. So this is, now this is interesting because, as I say, this is Greg Locke, scout leader, paramedic, almost joined the army, patriot. We've just em- yeah. we've embarrassed ourselves, and right. it's just I just to begin with. Again, I just did, I could not understand why. The idea of even leaving the European Union was mm. a good idea on the table. Yeah, on the table. Yeah, and you know, I'd like to have thought after everything we we went through. Yeah, you know, when when Hitler was trying to conquer the world, we yeah. banded together. Yeah, and took him out. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, but I think like what angers me the most about it was okay. I think you may be gathering. I'm all for remaining. I'm a Ramona. Proud. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he's been moaning for years. He's just co-opted the re into it. Um, it's a recent development. <laughs> but I think I respect the fact that you know, okay, everyone has the right for their opinion. That is the whole point of a democracy, and it yeah. is great that we actually live mm-hmm. in a country which supposedly embraces democracy. Mm-hmm. But it's just the reasons for people were voting were just non-existent. Yeah, because you know, it seems like. Oh, I, I hate EU law. We shouldn't. Have, we should have our own laws. Okay, <laughs> what EU law specifically is impeding on your life? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's just like uh, we shouldn't be doing EU law. You know, we should have come up with our own law. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, you know, for example, I personally think that um, EU working hours is a great thing. Mm. I don't want to be driven into the ground. Yes, <laughs> I like to have breaks. Yes, <laughs> I, yes. I like to have a. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, so just to add context to this, you're saying that uh, what you're in your hometown, which you now let you move back there after uh-huh. being a paramedic in London for how many years? In London, four years. Four years, and so then you moved back. Been back and, in Dorset and for the seven majority years. of the people you know are not Remainers, is what you're saying. Uh, Dorset voted uh, Brexit. Uh, okay. Dorset consistently for the last decades has voted Conservative. Mm. Um, mm. That will never change. Okay. Um, I've yeah. looked at the numbers. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's never. Um, we have the honour of having um, our um, local MP is uh, Sir Christopher Chope, who okay. is the guy who um, objected to um, upskirting being made against the law. He also objected to. <laughs> uh, also. Okay. Also right. objected to um, female genital mutilation being against the law. What? And this guy. Who has, the fuck is this guy? He's been knighted. He is Sir Christopher Chope, Conservative yeah. MP for Christchurch. Name and shame that fucker. Did anybody tell the Queen to watch her skirt around him while she was taking the sword out? But the point is, he he he's justified himself as all he does is he blocks public bills. Right. And he met on a matter of principle, he doesn't think that. I don't know whether he just doesn't feel that the public have the right to come up with 
Right, bills. so he's kind of aristocratic. And he, he, kind I of. think he does it. He does it as principle. He, he, no matter what it is, he just blocks it, and it has involved. I mean, thankfully, as recently, um, upskirting has become against the law. Thank oh, God. God, thank God. Um, but he, you know, but again, it could have been done a lot quicker. About fuck, where didn't? <laughs> uh, oh my God! I mean, can you imagine the meeting <laughs> so, where like everyone's like, "Can we just say that uh, upskirting should be against the law?" And everyone like raises their head, and he's like asleep in the corner, and he goes, mm, "What's going on?" <laughs> Upskirting? Oh no! Fuck that! No! 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 He was Stop actually, qu- he, and also to make it worse, he was actually quoted afterwards um, asking what it was. What? That's when he, he doesn't even listen to the bills. He just blocks. Them. And he get this guy wins in a landslide. Every I think year. he soon realised what it was because it was um, posted the next day. But um, someone actually went to his um, Christchurch offices and they made a string of um, knickers. <laughs> oh my god and blocked his uh, just to you know that's what he wanted there you go <laughs> that's one way to get out the bunting <laughs> um, for your country patriotic duty that's not all of Dorset I, I no. do need to stress but is I'm, it, not, you, I'm your, not stereotyping your, your lot. immediate family um, is all uh, my immediate agreed. family are um, Remainers cool and again what's interesting because when I've spoken to us because my, my stepdad he's very very Remain and mm. um <laughs> And I, I remember I asked him, you know, I'm just curious, why, why? I, I've got my reasons for mm. wanting to remain, why Why do you remain? And he just turned around and said, because I remember a time before the EU. Mm. I was like, okay. And then I went to someone I know who's similar age, who's a very strong Brexiter, and asked him mm. the same question, you know, why, just why? Yeah. And he turned around and said, because I remember a time before the EU. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Is it possible that one of these guys got laid an awful lot more? <laughs> In 1968. <laughs> so, and then I guess the other reason as well, the other big one was um, immigration and how this country just gets so mm. hell-bent on. Firstly, there are EU laws to do right. with immigration yeah. which yeah. as a country we have chosen to ignore right. for the last since the formation of the EU really it is harder to I know my um, in-laws yeah. uh, live in Spain right they have to um, that's why you need your passport of course yeah. well they they had to uh, they, they effectively retire to Spain mm-hmm. they had to have uh, so many thousand euros in their bank account they mm-hmm. had to have um, provide their own health care for the first few years. Sure. And these are EU laws yeah. for immigration. Oh, so, so you mean the this EU is... has stricter laws on immigration than we have? Yeah. Right. But, you know, this is what these people don't realise, is all the countries within the EU still pick and choose these laws. Mm. And the UK has chosen to ignore the tougher immigration laws that other countries in mm. Europe... Adhere to. Adhere yeah. to. That's so fucking and stupid. Just... Yeah. But these people don't... They just... And it's just the same old argument. Bloody foreigners coming here stealing our jobs. Oh, my God. And it's like, okay, what job yeah. has been stolen from you? Yeah. Are you a cleaner? <laughs> are you a kebab shop yeah. owner? Or are you an anaesthetist? Are you a doctor? Yes, yeah. Tell me, which job yeah, has which been... Job do, yeah, what job do you have that you're not... Yeah, it's so it's weird. Just, yeah, and again, I, I, I said clean about it. I'm not generalising. But mm. the point I want to make, though, is... The British people, unfortunately, but the ones that I have met are very lazy. Yeah. And, you know... That's interesting. It's the same thing of, oh, I I can't get a job. The employer says, okay, here's a job. I need that floor being swept up. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm not doing that. It's beneath me. Well, there's a massive line of Polish people, of Czech people, of Romanians, Bulgarians, who would just love... Yes. To be paid to, to do be a paid job, to do something, and they will, and they're happy to and work. They, they have a work ethic. They want to support ethic. their family. They want to contribute, and they will 
do that. In a way, I guess maybe that's the years of the colonialism of uh, of so, we we think of ourselves as better even if we haven't worked for I it. I think yeah. that's yeah, and I think that's that's kind of a downside is to a lot of what we've been talking about is how we've almost been conditioned that you know we're we're British, we're amazing, we mm. we don't need to bow down to anyone. We are mm. the empire, and yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just not the case. <laughs> yeah, we are uh, now the laughing stock. Yeah. And it's just... It's so fucking weird. It's just horrible. It's so weird. I think it's like, it's going to be... I'm hoping that history will regard it as a misadventure. Like, just like something that happened for a few years that was nuts. Like, do you remember that time when, holy fuck, that was crazy. I think it will become the ultimate let's not and say we did. I'm just curious, in like 200 years when kids are taking history lessons and they look back on this... What is that? What is that? What are they going to be thinking? <laughs> well, I think it's so interesting because it's so it's uh, it's so combined with what's happening with like America and Trump. It's like this is like this weird blip. That's well, I actually at the same heard time. someone. I remember I've heard a Brexiter say like chant, "Let's make Britain great again." <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! There was a Cheeto-faced prick who uh, had a cap <laughs> with that on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, do you realise that you're also saying the thing of the Cheeto face set? No, okay, great. Yeah. So you're aware of that? Okay. You are that was aware. deliberate. That was okay. You know. That's beautiful. Oh. <sighs> Let's make Britain great again. It's like, it's called Great Britain, man. <laughs> it's in the title. We, we, we don't need to. It's fine. A title which we gave ourselves, I believe, back in whenever the name... Yeah, you know, we thought of that. No one else called yes. us Great Britain. <laughs> we thought of that. <laughs> we should have. We really should have called it the ostentatious aisle. <laughs> I've still you still a new podcast of ironic country names. You know, yeah, the United States of America. Is it fuck? Oh, oh, this would be this would be a good point to uh, to to dip <laughs> into Great my. Britain, um, is it? This would be a good point to dip into my George Orwell book. I might read another passage. We could cut all this stuff out if it's boring. I don't usually read whole passages of books on the podcast, but I do find it interesting. He says, this is the way he concluded England, your England. He says, England is not the jeweled isle of Shakespeare's much quoted message, nor is it the inferno depicted by Dr. Goebbels. More than either, it resembles a family a rather stuffy Victorian family with not many black sheep in it, but with all its cupboards bursting with skeletons. It has rich relations who have to be kowtowed to and poor relations who are horribly sat upon. And there is a deep conspiracy of silence about the source of the family income. Mm. It is a family in which the young are generally thwarted and most of the power is in the hands of the irresponsible uncles and bedridden aunts. Still, it is a family. It has its private language and its common memories, and at the approach of an enemy, it closes its ranks. A family with the wrong members in control. That, perhaps, is as near as one can come to describing England in a phrase. Okay. This was written in fucking 1940. I believe, wasn't it? Um, I don't know when there was a George Orwell quote I, I keep hearing where, say, where he said... Um, I wrote 1984 as a piece of fiction, not a fucking instruction. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to have to teach you guys street fighting again? Cause I don't know when. I don't know when he said That's that. That's brilliant. But that is, I believe, that is a quote from wow. George Orwell. Yeah. Oh my god. But that's so interesting. So 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 yeah. So you're very outspoken about Brexit. So or? I just think, uh, yeah. I, I it's it's just. I just think we're embarrassing ourselves now. Um, I think to begin with, I think people got annoyed with and fed up with me on social media, and yeah, I, I was yeah. just constantly banging mm. on about remaining. But in all honesty, I've just lost all 
interesting. It's just it's dragged on for so long now. Even, even if, if we, we do were, an about even turn. if we were going to try and cancel Article Fifty and all that stuff, I don't think the EU should even take us back on because no, well, at least not without banking or something. EU, I'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that when we um when we first tried to um, join the EU, we were blackballed by France. Really? We, it was like, yeah. Fucking France. <laughs> but, That's um, very patriotic side coming But up. no, it was very interesting because um, Charles de Gaulle uh, blackballed us. He was oh, president yeah. of France oh, yeah, at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he blackballed us um, saying that um, he felt that um, Great Britain joining the EU would be a Trojan horse for America. Ooh. And I actually think, you know what? He was probably onto something. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what was wrong with America? Why didn't he like so America? I think, think they just didn't European, want... Right? I think, you know, because also before... Because of the special relationship. Before the wars, thing, or, before, yeah. well, really, mm. I guess the First World Wars, when, but they were an isolationist nation. Right, yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah. They, you know, it took the sinking of the Lusitania, which yeah. you know, was probably... Organised by Churchill, but another story. Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> Way to bury the lead, Greg. You'd have to come back and tell us a whole story about Churchill personally sabotaging the Lusitania. He was Lord of the Admiralty at oh, the time. Right. They were desperate for America to um, join the war. Yes. That I'm not accusing Churchill of it, but there is, um, <laughs> there is evidence to suggest that mm. um, they were well aware... That the Lusitania, well, the Lusitania yeah. was a um, a target, yeah. um, and it was actually the German embassy in America released a statement saying mm. that they were actively sinking ships which were England bound, which they felt wow. contained uh, resources Holy fuck. for the war effort. And the the conspiracy theory, I guess you know that kind of phrase is that Churchill could have sent enough resources to the southern coast of Ireland mm. to actually intercept any U-boats and protect the Lusitania. Right. But he chose not to. Because it would have been convenient if they'd sunk It would have been convenient if it got sunk because American lives were lost mm. and it was what prompted America to enter the First World War. The First World War? This is this is the First World War. So this is Churchill back Churchill, in before yeah, the before Second World War? Before he was Prime Minister, he was Lord of the Admiralty Holy during fuck. the First Deep Cuts. Oh first my God. World War. Wow. So he was in, he was in charge of the navy. Oh my effectively. god! He's a very interesting figure because he, of course, represents patriotism. As, he is, as much he is as a, a massive symbol. Yeah. He is such a big symbol of it, and I still don't dispute he was the prime minister that the country needed yeah, at exactly. the time, yeah, and he did. It was a dirty job. For it, a was dirty a, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, and he did. You know, keep the country together, mm. and it was quite. Clearly seen as his history has shown us, he was a war prime minister. Yeah, that's where he was terrible at being a non-war prime minister. But exactly, and as a human being, he was despicable. Completely despicable. And also, um, also, also, I think uh, work the the research I did into, into him was really interesting because he, even for as a young man, he idolised the idea of of battle and war and dying for your country. So it's like it's almost like he is the extreme of patriotism. Yeah. He's ca- patriotism taken to the most extreme point. But he revelled in it. He glorified it. He hoped. He hoped. For for war because it was his purpose in life exactly that's so interesting okay this leads us quite neatly on on to 
To my granddad? Yay! What do you want to know? <laughs> Just tell me about your granddad. Tell, tell the people about your granddad. Because this is a new thing that you that you recently... I mean, you've, to- you've talked about him the whole time I've known you, and then you very recently uh, made steps to actually... Because my granddad was in the area as well. My, my, my granddad, Steve Jones, he's still alive... Uh, uh, was a, an engineer in the RAF and uh, a wonderful guy, and uh, so we we are both kind of joined in that. Way. Tell me about your granddad. So my granddad, um, my granddad died when I was about uh, two years old. So I never really got to. I only have visual memories of. You have visual memories of it. I have these visual memories of an old man sitting in a chair. Um, that's that's darling. And, oh I, and I, yeah, very. Um, I just have the yeah. He had the, he had a chair. I think most old people have their yeah, chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have visual memories of, of the chair. I also have memories, visual memories of seeing um, some aviation artwork in his house. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, that follows my granddad's. So. It's all he's got is aviation artwork, <laughs> and that was it. He died of leukemia when I was two years old, mm. and didn't. And it was, this is my dad's dad. Mm. Subsequently, you know, life went on. I lost contact with my parents. Got divorced. I lost contact with my dad. Mm-hmm. But Mum always would tell me that um, my granddad um, served in the Second World War. Yeah. Um, so he was in the RAF. He was a tail gunner and Lancaster bomber. Love the Lancasters. And I think as my interest in the war came in, it was oh my my granddad did that. Unfortunately, I have, none of my granddads are alive yeah. um, today. I lost. Um, technically, had three because my stepdad's dad was right. a great influence as well. Oh. He helped me. Um, unfortunately, by the time I was about seven years old, all my granddads had died. Yeah, which I, it's one of my biggest regrets. On I still have grandmas, mm. um, but my my granddad had died, and my mum's dad he was slightly too young to be serving in the Second World War. Wow. So the only kind of war um, serving member of wartime RAF mm. I knew was my was my grand my dad's dad. Um, but I became estranged from my actual dad, so I really didn't have much knowledge on him. Just what. Little snippers that my mum remembered. And this mm. story is like he beca- he's become the myth. Yeah, in the he same did, way he that did like become you just a myth. You, you look at a painting of a Lancaster bomber over Germany with the clouds and the, exactly. the tracer bullets and stuff, and you can project your your immediate bloodline into that picture. So, so interesting, yeah. Well, I only had little things to go on. All I literally had was he was a tail gunner in a Lancaster, and mum knew that one notable raid he was involved in was uh, the bombing of Dresden. Oh wow! Which of course that was such is, a, a yes. big one, and that, obviously you could tell. But we now know why that was a memorable raid. But yes, he was able to. Dresden, in fact, I believe, uh, fact fans, is the um, the bombing that is uh, detailed in Kurt Vonnegut's book Slaughterhouse Five, which is a science fiction book written by a guy who was at Dresden. He was an American POW, and mm-hmm. he was there during the bombings. And the only way he felt he could respectfully tell the story was through fiction. So he's in the book, but he's not the main character. Ah, and then he describes the devastation of Dresden as, a, as if they were walking on the surface of the moon. It's yeah. It was pretty, uh, pretty yeah, mental. What yeah. what happened? Um, it's it's entirely fine to acknowledge that side of it because essentially what what your guy's doing is he's. He's he's doing his job. He's doing his duty. It's exactly, and that's kind of the way. But you know, you just look upon it as yeah, that is what yeah the job was. The uh, Lancaster bomber dropped more tonnage of bombs on countries than any other air force involved combined. Wow! And also, it's um, also been described as effectively the first weapon of mass destruction. Wow! Which is, you never really think of. You know, you think yes. of dirty bombs and or think the, of the atom the a- bomb, the a- yeah. Bomb. But to think, actually, yeah, because it, it 
what it excelled with is it, it could carry more bombs than any other bomber yeah. in existence at that time. Yes. So yeah, so anyway, so Dresden was something I, I knew. But other than that, we really didn't have much um, information um, on him. There was all, a story did get floated about about how he um, had to bail out and got uh, found by Belgian resistance and was mm. smuggled back into the country. <laughs> Amazing. Um, which again, that kind of immortalised the, the myth of yeah this this man. There's like a story now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, it was a story that I need to find more about my granddad. In recent years, I, I tried just searching the name I, I knew his date of birth I managed to get a copy of his birth certificate and national registry mm-hmm. um, even had a copy of his death certificate mm-hmm. and I was just trying to find information of my granddad and was not just drawing blanks I was I was beginning to doubt did did he actually do oh, right is fuck. this all is this all a crock of shit yeah and it's like you know, it's like this dream I, that you've had in your head from a little boy this has been yeah. years I cannot find anything like, is this all is this an elaborate hoax you know, has or even something maybe, maybe, or yeah, has someone just made this shit up? Yeah, or even your parents yeah. could have just told you the stories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. you never know. Yeah, and it got to a point where, um, you know, I won't get into to the personal reasons, but I became estranged from my dad and kind of realised that the only way I could possibly try and find um, more information was to try and get back in contact with him. Yeah, well, um, I remember that the the reason your name is Greg Lark. Is not because it's your father's name. No, it's good. It's my granddad's name. Yeah, you have a stepfather. You have a mother who has her own name. Yeah, um, yeah. You chose. You chose out of respect, even from even as a young man, as a as a teenager to a young man. Yeah. So I happened to have this phone number, which I I felt I thought it was my dad. Wasn't too sure, but risked it anyway and called it. And it was happened to be my dad. Mm. Um, Very emotional um, reunion, but I was able to sort of. I asked him, you know. I, I want to know about your dad, my granddad. And he was actually able to tell me, um, he, again, his his memory was a bit, not quite with it, and he was he, he was able to tell me that he was in 15 Squadron mm-hmm. and he had a, um, the pilot of his plane was a guy called Jim Slaughter, which he found hilarious because his surname was Slaughter, which, yeah, yeah that's ironic. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, like, it's like Bomber Harris, isn't it? Like, it's just a cool yeah. nickname. <laughs> And also that he was Australian, the, yeah. the pilot. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay. So again, with that, I'd already been, I was already a member of some um, Bomber Command Facebook pages, some uh, Lancaster Appreciation Society Facebook pages. Yeah. And these have lots of lots of historians on. And again, I just put it to them, like, I this is my granddad's name, um, 15 Squadron, Flying Officer Slaughter. <laughs> Anyone able to, to help me? And straight away that evening, uh, within an hour, um, someone found the um, pilots have a lot more records, and someone found the flying record of Jim Slaughter, yeah. Fifteen Squadron, RAF Mildenhall, Durin, and that's the other thing as well. You knowing that he had done the Dresden raid, that gave mm. me an idea of a date. To, yeah. So I knew that forty-five is when he was. Yeah. February forty-five is one mm. period I could I know for a fact mm. he would have been active. And from that, um, we were able to find the um, operational reports of the squadron, which um, had each raid detailed. And there I found my granddad's name in the crew listings. Mm. And that was straight away, I was like, oh my God. I What is your grandfather's name for the listeners? I found it. George Frank Walter Locke. George Frank but Walter just, Locke. Just, just George F.W. Locke. Nice. Um, then there he was. There he um, was. As a tail gunner, just like I'd been told. Yeah. I was able to catalogue... 30 missions that he, that wow. he did. Um, found the Dresden Raid. Which was um, that the, one of the last ones? Or no, he did right a bit. He did a bit um, 
well, March of 45 was when his his mm. tour uh, came to an end. Um, and then from that, I was then put in touch with someone messaged me on Facebook saying, um, there's this guy you need to uh, find. His name is um, Martin Ford-Jones. He's a historian that specialised in 15 Squadron. Hmm. If I was ever a mastermind subject, that was kind yes. of... Uh, okay, um, that's, uh, very, yeah. that's very niche. That's very niche. <laughs> um, but, okay. Lucky number 15 Squadron. No, he said he doesn't do Facebook, but this is his email address. Email him. So I was like, okay, I've got nothing to lose. So I just emailed yeah. this guy. I said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry to... Sorry to interrupt. I've been passed your email address and been told that you specialise in 15 Squadron. I'm trying to find out about my granddad. And we're, again, the next day I had a response from him saying, don't spend any more money on trying to find records or anything. Hmm. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I've, I've got loads of information. I, hmm. I'm on Jim Slaughter, the fine officer. And I'm pretty sure I've got photos of his crew, which wow. of course would include my granddad. And straight away he's like, yep, yeah, just give me a, a... He's an author as well. And he writes books on 15 Squadron and hmm. RAF history. And he found all this information and um, invited me to London to the RAF club and presented me with um, a folder. Okay, of... what is the RAF club? It's not just a bunch of guys in a the, in, in a the RAF club in a rec centre. <laughs> it's it's in the Mayfair area of London, right? And it's effectively um, there's rooms there to stay, there's restaurants, bars, right. meeting rooms, conference rooms, mm-hmm. and basically to actually just get into the building. You have to have been a veteran of the RAF, right. actively serving in the RAF, or have some um, significant connection yeah. to the RAF. Right. Uh, this guy's connection was was he'd done a lot of research and wrote books for the RAF, yeah. and that allowed him to become a member of this club. <laughs> and yeah. In 200 years' time, it'll be a hipster coffee shop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, kind of like the Freemasons of the RAF. Yeah. Wow, amazing. <laughs> so, but you see, so you got in, you got so I, go. I got invited in, and he presented me with a file he compiled of all my uh, granddad's history. And then also, there was the... Because um, of his interest in 15 Squadron, he um, would get alerts whenever something was going up for auction to do with 15 Squadron. And it, I don't, you know, want to believe in destiny, but no. the timing was just so uncanny that at the time he um, was helping me, mm. my granddad's medals and his logbook Jesus. appeared as a lot at an auction house in London. <laughs> the medals and the, the medals oh. and the logbook. Oh my god! Um, and again, these were things which specifically I'd, your my, my George's, like ju- just just George. his. And these George were things Rock. which I heard about because mum had always said, "Oh yeah, the logbook. We need to." Unfortunately, there is a um, there's a crazy aunt in my fat side of the family <laughs> who we shall not speak of. No, who it had been believed that must have been twenty years ago or so she pawned that shit for wow, a few quid. oh my god, and that was kind yeah. of the accepted. It's lost. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's gone. gone, and somehow it had. Appeared. It's just gone out there into the world and into stuck the world, floated, and back floated back out. That's um, so crazy. And straight away, I was on the phone to the auction house, you know, saying, "Look, this is my granddad's shit. That's my shit. This is my birthday. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want that shit back." Uh, uh, excuse me. <laughs> Hi, uh, this is G Lock. I believe you're holding something for me. <laughs> um, and obviously, yeah, I kind of knew what the answer was going to be. I asked if I could just approach the seller independently, like, no. Mm. 
the only way you stand a chance of getting this shit is to show up and bid for yourself. Yeah, I remember. I remember you. Fuck's sake! On the day that you was it the day that you actually went, you we saw each other. Yeah, and it was was all about that. It was like I'm going. I'm getting tense now, and and I. That's another one of those things that you see in films. Everyone knows what an auction's supposed to feel like. Exactly. It must be. What was was, it like? It was well. It was just building up to it as well. And I have to say, the the support I got was immense. So to begin Mm. with. I looked at the date and, oh, look, I'm working. No. So I emailed my boss mm. and said, look, I'm not, I didn't have enough time to book it as annual leave. And I was like, I emailed him and said, look, this is a situation. Would you please consider giving me the day off? Mm. I know it's not an emergency in the typical sense of the word, but this, it's a, it's a to me, personal this is, family emergency. This is yeah. a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm. And Australia was like, yeah, you're, you're having the day off. Um, good luck. God bless you know, the fucking is, NHS. You know, go for it. Yeah. I then had, they had, there was a reserve price of 150 and the um, the guy I spoke to the auction house reckoned he, I'll probably be looking at about three to 400 quid. Hmm. I had savings, but also I had just, people were coming up to me and I actually had a waiting list of people offering me money. Wow. So, um, people it's, come it's up like to a me. One, it's a wonderful say, life or something. So my mum, my mum came up to me and said, you know, I will give you so much money mm. um i had my in-laws were like we will give you so much mm. their parents both of my wife's granddads mm. who were also in the raf so they appreciated yeah. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. Were like we will loan you we will give you money mm. the historian who had only just met yeah was like i will give you money I, he he basically offered to um he offered to pay all for commission and the auction fees because those get oh. added on after the hammer price. It's a good thing I nabbed that best man position <laughs> while I had the chance. But it was and again, I sort of said to her, I said to everyone, I, I appreciate it. it's important for me to to do this with mm. my own funds, but, mm. but thank you, it, it means so much to know. That oh, you decided that you I like wanted to do it. I, 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 I do this with my own hand. It was kind of, <laughs> but it was reassuring to know that potentially yeah. I had that um, yeah. there. I went with my mum. Mum, you know, mum sort of stuck with me via the uh, auction house. Mm-hmm. And again, we, we sat in there just, it was boring as fuck just sitting through <laughs> all these lots. Ugh. It was literally like, it was a long weekend of, there was about 800 lots they were auctioning. Wow. And oh, he was God. like number 500 and something. So we were, it was a lot. It was just really boring thing boring like plates just, and things was only, and stuff. <laughs> well, it, was all, it was all medals as well. It was all medals. And it was quite sad okay. as well to see yeah. medals and some of them weren't selling, and it's just all right. So like, these are these, these are literally the only, sometimes in some cases the only legacy that people leave behind. Exactly, and it's that's, just so that's sad really that no one's. Sad. You know, and again, so my granddad's lot came up, and straight away my you and know, went, my hand, <laughs> my hand, my hand in the card went up. Um, no one else in the room was bidding against me, but mm. there was someone on the internet who was bidding against me, uh-huh. and it kept going up and up and up. And my mum, bless her, was literally just sat next to me. It's like. Keep your arm up! Don't you keep your yeah, arm up? Don't yeah. you dare lower that arm! Keep it up! Keep it up! Keep keep going! Keep going! Keep going. Yes, yeah, do it! Keep do it, going, Greg! Do it for uh, George, Greg! It was I went, It was a significant amount in the end, but okay. I got got the. But medals. you had you I had you had that support around. I got you, yeah. yeah, got the medals, you got, got the logbook. I remember looking. Even like Mum got the chills because as soon as we got presented with the logbook, she was like, mm. "She so I I remember that. Yeah. You know, from back from twenty odd years ago, I remember yeah. that." Opened up the logbook and it's everyone commented on how my granddad's handwriting was just like mine. Whoa! And I was just like, <sighs> so, Whoa. Oh my god! Oh my god! 
It's because because the thing is like when you say like his his medals and his logbook medals is one thing, but a logbook has got so much more, more value. The logbook was more valuable. He held it in his hand. The medals themselves, yeah. they were they were free medals. Um, he probably only wore them a couple of times. I don't know if he even keeps them polished somewhere in a cupboard. Um, yeah. So he literally he had his um he had his uh, France and Germany star, which he got for doing a um a, a operation over France and Germany. Okay. There was the um. Um, there was another star which was for completing a tour of operations mm-hmm. and then there was the war medal which you effectively got for showing up right <laughs> uh, so they were quite did you ever get your your war badge at scouts because I, <laughs> I, I wasn't there for that one <laughs> so the medals themselves were quite generic but the logbook itself detailed mm. the missions how you know how many bombs they dropped mm. The stuff that does he list down how many people he took a shot at from the rear gun? Um, it's not, but all it was. I don't know. Occasionally, if they, they, occasionally they would just write in fighter action. It's right. actually whenever you see it in films, it was actually very um, not. I won't say rare, but right. for, yeah. for a gunner or a bomber to actually take down a mesh fit is actually yeah. not a easy task like yeah. the films no. seem to, no. to portray. Yeah, it was actually more. What I learned, because the historian was able to talk to me about the tactics that were used by Bomber Command, mm, and it was mm. literally the tail gunner would spot a night fighter, they would shout down the radio that it was spotted. They'd call it out. They relied more on evasive action from the pilot than mm. actually shooting mm. the. Uh, and were they also in? If they had like an escort, they could they could direct the the, the hurricanes or the Spitfires. That did they ever have an escort of? Fighter. They'd usually you have the mosquitoes would usually be at the front because right, um, okay. they were quicker and they would follow. Um, the mosquitoes would drop first, okay. and they would bomb on the signals right. from the from the mosquito okay. Uh, planes. Okay, so um, right, so and so you had all this stuff. His handwriting looks like yours. So, and I also had a map, which um, every um, airman was given a um, a cloth map, which was sewn into their jacket. <sighs> And what he'd done after the war was he'd actually annotated on this map of Germany and mm. Europe where each of his raids were so I could pinpoint. Um, wow. And what we also found, I showed it to my wife, Hattie. Yeah. Her, Hi, Hattie. <laughs> her grandma's German and her grandma was a German citizen wow. during the Second World War. Wow. And it was just so she, she was, she's heard war stories from the German yeah. Yeah. side of it, which is that would be amazing, I think, yeah. just to, to hear oh, of that. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but also, what's just scary was seeing how close my granddad got to bombing her <laughs> village. Well, yeah. that's beautiful in <laughs> some way. Because like, we're talking about being a citizen of the world and patriotism and loving your own country. This is what's the difference between nationalism and patriotism. The idea that, that uh, uh, you and Hattie are a beautiful married couple. She has family in Spain, uh, living in Spain. Uh, German grandparents, you know, like your granddad almost killed her grandmother. You know, that's fucking crazy. You know what I mean? But that's 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 beautiful, man. That's that's the world. Yeah. Um, that's the, yeah. That's, that's the world we live in now. We live in a world where we now have a little, we have a little bit more empathy to spare. Absolutely. For like nowadays, I feel like we're going to see so many more movies about the German side of the war because nowadays we're kind of like, let's hear about it. Like I don't, I, I'm oh, interested yeah. to hear what they like, what what they were up to, just so, the the soldiers. Well, you know? yeah, there's also look at you know. People, why haven't we had a film about Rommel? You know, he, yeah. he fucking tried to kill Hitler. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, exactly. We had like, Valkyrie, yeah. I guess. But, well, but you know, Rommel- that in it, that in itself is definitely the difference between patriotism but and nationalism. Because was- if you were to talk about Germans, I would argue that if you if you were a Nazi, you were not a patriot. If you were the guy who tried I to think- kill Hitler, you're the greatest. And I patriot. think that's kind of what 
that was Rommel's perspective. He was respected by his troops, and mm. even um, Monty respected Rommel. Wow! And yeah. I believe you know Rommel wanted to embrace the nation of Germany, mm. and absolutely, he, he, he could see that you know Hitler and the Nazis was not Germany. Yeah. And, oh my God! And that was that. I have since spoken to my dad more about him. Oh. And apparently, um, the first thing was. Um, my granddad apparently never spoke really spoke about his time in the mm. RAF, and I've been told that you know I probably would have been disappointed if he was still alive. I probably wouldn't have got much out of right, him. Right, right. And the first thing my dad said that he remembers my granddad saying was Dresden was a mistake. He saw that from the air, wow. and straight away he knew it was a mistake. He also never um, he never celebrated VE Day because his his opinion there was no victory. Wow. He never would go to a uh, Remembrance Day because, again, in his opinion, it was just a, a he did it. Well, he did it. You know, like, apparently yeah. on his deathbed is one. You know, it's really sad to think about his deathbed. Is he said something on the lines of "The world is still fucked." Wow. And it's like he went to. You know, we're talking like eighty-eight is when he died. And yeah. he's still at that point, he's still just like wow. you know. That's that so was, interesting. So. That is so interesting because you you hear so much said, especially with you know, the Brexit, about people wearing poppies. Yeah, and if you don't wear a poppy, you're oh, disrespecting yeah. the troops. And it's like this guy was the troops, and that's how he felt. Exactly. That's <laughs> so fucking interesting, man. So, and again, as again, it just goes back to Brexit as way that well, again, which which does my head in as well. How you get these Brexiters who think that we have the right to. To boss the EU about and how yeah. how dare the EU? You know yeah. we we sorted them out. Is what they're it's just like, right. Shut yeah, up. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's not how it went down. Just, yeah, it's definitely how it's it went down. Not... Oh my god, uh, that's so fucking interesting. I, I also think it's a beautiful thing. I know you said like when you said that if he had he been alive, you wouldn't have got that information out of him. How great that you actually you have this journey that that it, you know it, it reunited you with your father and you know in, in whatever good or bad ways that that came about. But then the fact that you've learned all this through your own adventure yeah. kind of it's beautiful it's a great story and I was really proud to actually to be witnessing it because it's only happened in the last two years didn't it like oh, year. last year last year and I just remember every now and again you would just you would come back with more information and I was like this is like <laughs> waiting for the next episode of Game of Thrones like <laughs> what the fuck's gonna happen you know what I, mean? you, like, I literally saw you just before you went off for the auction and stuff you know what I mean it's such a beautiful story I'm, uh, it's so great so what, what are you doing with the have you got them all are you collecting um, them all up and well, I've got, them they're, they're in a safe place. Um, I say the um, the medals I am going to get framed. Um, wow. I've got some photos which I'm just getting retouched. Um, I'm paying a professional to, cool. to retouch them and get them looking nice. Uh, mm-hmm. They're going to be all, all displayed. Um, there is actually, um, there was a, a bomber command clasp which um, only came into effect about five years ago. This is a sad thing with bomber command is they were effectively demonised by the British people after the war. Because when it came to light, when photos of Dresden mm. and what happened, yeah. Bomber Command were frowned upon big time. Yeah. Apparently, during the war, they were actually more popular than fighter pilots. Um, mm. yeah. Girls wanted to be with the bombers. The bombers, than, yeah. Um, well, because they were the ones the who were giving pilots. it to them back. Give it to them back! That's what but they would say. Once, once yeah. the um, yeah, once the photos of Dresden came out, uh, Churchill effectively distanced himself from Bomber Harris. And yeah. Just said, oh, it's all him. It's all <laughs> Arthur Harris. That's it's that guy. Yeah. So yeah. he got absolutely 
victimised for it. Yeah. And um, there was a, um, a Battle of Britain clasp got issued because, you know, that's still seen as the defining moment when we, you know, we fought, we won that battle before mm. the mm. Americans That's the, we never out. have so we many, so few. It. It's like, it, that's the real, that's the real myth, is the real story. So, the, and again, it's, it's the only, story um, of the sort of, Second World War. I think it's good. It's only five years, it's about five years ago when the government actually realised too late just like the pardoning of Alan Turing mm. but mm. You know, like, actually we should have a clasp for Bomber Command and mm. any veteran of Bomber Command can apply for this clasp and any relative yeah. I'm still going through the processes of the paperwork but mm. um, that will be a clasp which will sit on one of the ribbons of the medals that my granddad has so I'm yeah. going to complete that yeah. have them displayed and then the logbook and map is just going to stay in a, in a safe place they are, you know, 70 years old kind of stuff, so they are mm. fragile. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay in a safe place where I'll have it put into my will that they'll always stay in the Locke family and will never be allowed Yay! to be <laughs> Like Steven Spielberg again. making sure that E.T. can't get a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that because it's it's like, it's like again, because like, it's kind of like when we said, like, uh, you know, you becoming a paramedic because you look good in green. Like you, I think you you idolized your grandfather because you loved the Second World War and you loved the look of the planes and you were a fan. And then through this, you've learned his view of it and it's changed your view yeah. of it and stuff. How do you feel now about 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 all the things that you? Fit? I mean, is it is it like kind of a combination of both working at the same time? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, I still idolize. I still think what he did was was amazing. Mm. I still can't get over the fact You still want that clasp. You I still, still want, want that clasp. Still want that I still clasp. can't get over the fact that when he was eighteen he was up in the air in the back of a Lancaster yeah. bomber over the Third Reich. Yeah. Under attack. Yeah. You know, when I was eighteen I was getting pissed in a pub and <laughs> <laughs> trying to recreate jackass <laughs> with your mates. Exactly. And just like, oh, you know, to think that he grew up and also as well, um, he grew up in uh, South London right. during the Blitz. Yeah. And again, he was a teenager in yeah. the Blitz and yeah. You know, he wasn't evacuated. He he stayed he all stayed he Fuck. stayed in London. And then he became a bomber? And he went That's so amazing. To, and it was yeah. kind of he um I found out through his RAF record, which I later got from the RAF. Yeah, so I had yeah. some more information. Two weeks before his 18th birthday, he went into the uh, recruiting office. Mm. Um, oh my so. god! It's a, it's again, it's something that we could, we're, it's almost impossible for us to understand, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Think about our lives as teenagers and what their yeah. lives as teenagers. Well, were. <laughs> think about that guy saying, "Oh, I don't want to sweep the floor. I don't <laughs> yeah. want that job." And yeah. It's like, fuck you, man! <laughs> get up in the, get in that fucking turret. <laughs> they keep going on about how you know the people fought for this country. And, yeah. Well. Yeah, they did. Fucking respect that they shit did. and sweep yeah. that floor. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good way. That's a good way to wrap it up. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll end with this because I, I like this. I love this, this sentence. It's one of my favourite sentences. This is by E.M. Forster, who was another British writer who wrote like Howard's End and stuff. Uh, and he wrote an essay called What I Believe. Uh, and he said, uh, Naked, I came into the world. Naked, I shall go out of it. And a very good thing too, for it reminds me that I am naked under my shirt, whatever its colour.
which is a great phrase. That's another basic way of saying Hattie's Hattie's grandparents are down there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I think that that's uh, that's the note I would love to leave that on. But thanks for telling me that story. I've heard bits and pieces of it through through the last year, but (laughs) such a and please send us all the photos of the badges. Also, ooh, that's another interesting. Did you get a picture of your grandfather as a young man in the bomber? I've got his um. I guess his mug shots, I guess. Amazing. The, it's like the RAF, you know, portrait. What does he look like? Do you recognise him? Is he the man in the chair? <sighs> well, this is another scary connection. Okay. For years, everyone has been assuming that I am the son of the milkman because <laughs> I don't... People, it was people struggling to actually see where, do, where, which resemblance, who do I resemble in my family? Right, even your and father? Even my father. I look nothing like my father. I've got ginger hair like my mum and... I'm potentially going bold in the same way my uncle has. <laughs> okay, I don't but, see that. But yeah. again, there was no obvious distinction. Like my sister is a spitting image of my mum mm-hmm. at a younger age. My hi Amber. <laughs> my, my brother Nathan is the spitting image of my dad at that age. Okay, and no one can really see where I I was the odd one out, and yeah. no one can really see where I came from. Yeah. until we found a picture of my granddad at that age, <sighs> and. Yeah, mum, my mum actually found the old photograph of me when I was about eighteen. Wow! Photo of my granddad on this recruitment photo, and the the resemblance is uncanny. It's very yeah, yeah, that's where I come from. Amazing. Which was again quite nice for me actually to to that's see. That's where that. I come from. So, and again, I saw but the other picture I have, which I absolutely love, was the first, it was the first one I saw. Is him as he we believe he would just come off a plane hmm. and he's doing he's in his flight suit and he's got like those, those boots that you hmm. always assume yeah. it kind yeah. of like it was like the ultimate cosplay photo but it wasn't cosplay <laughs> <laughs> I remember even Hattie was with me when I they saw they took that. cosplay a lot more seriously that day <laughs> Hattie, was really committed when, to Hattie was with me when I saw that photo and it was just that moment when I was just like shit it's all real that's my granddad in a flight suit it's you all know, real it's real there he is yeah. you cannot deny that yeah. that is it so, oh. so yes I have some photos which I'll, I will send those to you <laughs> fucking beautiful okay awesome right well we end the podcast I ask my guest something about something that they don't love that everyone else in the world seems to love and they just kind of feel kind of out of step with and then just tell me something that you do love it could be out of step or it could not just uh, proselytize to me sell it to me and the thing I love about you is it, it could be so <laughs> many things because you've literally spent our entire lives together <laughs> telling me about stuff you like. So I can't wait to hear these. All right. So which one do you want first? Uh, the thing you don't love. Well, I, re- I, re- I kind of wrote down football. But then I kind of... What, what is it about football I don't love? What does it mm. attract? I've gone on to summarise it as laddish behaviour. Ooh. And it's just the whole notion of yeah. chanting in the street. England. 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 And, England. It, and it's just... God. It's just so bloody infuriating, and yeah. and it kind of just goes on to that whole this whole lad culture, of, yeah, of just and the fact that it still exists and the World Cup. Okay, I don't deny it was great that we yeah. got to the yeah. the semi-finals. Suddenly we're like, it's coming home! It's oh my god, god, it is coming home! home. It, was, it was a nice feeling, but there were riots in the streets, and there, yeah. were ambu- there was an ambulance car which got trashed, shop windows got smashed in. That's fucking disrespectful, and. Also, in Moscow, you know, the bloody host country, yeah. there was just violence and vandalism in the streets yeah. by the English fans. The Japanese supporters were bloody litter-picking at the stadium. <laughs> and it's just... That was... And it's just... And it's just like this whole culture of people getting pissed and just going out into the town. And, <laughs> I'm not against people having a good time, but yes. 
there is no need to be shouting mm. in the street. And, and actually, only the other week, um, my wife got catcalled. Fuck. And she's just, she was, she's, you know, she's been... And your uh, MP hasn't made it illegal yet. <laughs> <laughs> she's been, um, she hasn't been able to sort of go out with a friend and have a good time yeah, for, yeah. for a while. And for the first time mm. in ages, her and a, a good friend of hers were going out. Um, they're actually, it was quite... Cuba. I'm going to a gay club to see a drag queen. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, snaps. But, Let's give it snaps. <laughs> but they were they were walking um in Bournemouth, walking to to the venue, and a car went past, and some pricks stuck their head out of windows and just shouted "tits." Oh fuck me! And it's just like one that actually works. Yeah. <laughs> just like two, it's just like why. But like, like on, it's such but a, like on her one night out, yeah, and which it's is just aggressive. You shouldn't shout anything no, at anyone. Exactly, and it's just—it's a violent a, thing to do. It exactly, feels and violent. It's just this whole thing of just you know you can have a good time, but just don't be a dick yeah. about it. And stop, you know, shut up. Just don't shout and just be. Is this another way that you're yeah. kind of out of step with your community? Because you, did you grow up surrounded by lads? Is that is is uh, Verwood a, a lad uh, hub, say, or is it not so much? I would say so. I, I think Bournemouth more than yes. anything. Yeah. I mean, I Stag um, Night Town. That is Stag, and I didn't actually realise this until I went to London. That, you know, you'd say that like, I'm from Bournemouth, and people are like, "Oh, that's the best place to have a night out." And I'm like, "Is it? Ugh, no, it but isn't." Apparently. <laughs> People flock to Bournemouth to. Get I, st- I still have and nightmares do. about some of the some and of the uni just, parties that we went to. It was horrible. But it's just that that lad culture. I think I just really don't get on with. You know, I'm not against people having a good time, but yeah, I don't mind chanting in a stadium in a football stadium where you'd expect that, and it kind <laughs> Seeing of. Seeing when you're fishing, <laughs> and if it encourages the team, and the you know, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm appreciative of supporting your team and I think it's a nice community spirit yeah I don't agree with the violence which comes after it yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's like well, it's like when you and me saw Queen um, with uh, what's his face uh, doing Freddie oh uh, Paul Rogers Paul Rogers and you and me were screaming the lyrics and there was this old geezer in front of us and he kept like looking pissed off well we us. weren't allowed to be Queen fans because we weren't around in Freddie's time <laughs> I think was his argument. Yeah, exactly. When he was, he was like, like uh, "You're right behind me," and like uh, you're screaming, mate. And it's like you're at a rock concert, <laughs> yeah. pal. <laughs> there are appropriate places. There are appropriate yeah, places. To go nuts. And there are not yeah. appropriate places. Yeah. And those are the streets. <laughs> <laughs> it's the streets. Um, okay. Right. Okay. So that's pretty good. That's yeah. it. I think we can all get behind that one. What is something that you love, and how did you come to this one? Uh, something that I love. I simply have written down depressing music. <gasps> I said that. What? I, I, oh, I used that as one of my oh, opening ones. Oh. No, but no, that's I completely. No, that's the, the reason. This, this is the first time we've had a, a, a clash. Well, the reason because I I initially kind of mis misunderstood your um, instructions because at first right. I was kind of like something I love which everyone else hates. Yeah, and I just remembered I was ridiculed for liking yeah. and loving depressing music. Yeah, and the irony of it is is. It was during a time when, you know, I, I've suffered from depression myself. Mm-hmm. I know you're quite open yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was depressing music which got me through. Yes. Um, yes. It's just my favourite band of all time is Radiohead. Yes. That's, I did not talk about Radiohead, so this straight is away, That straight away has this, <laughs> you know, the assumption is that anyone who loves Radiohead is a depressed idiot yeah. who just wants to slit their wrists and it's 
music to kill yourself to and right, yeah. I don't believe it is exit music I, I can appreciate the joke because if there's a Father Ted episode where it's uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know the one no where, I don't oh it's this brilliant Father Ted episode where um, a priest comes to um, Father <laughs> Ted who's depressed yeah. and Father Ted um, they basically just him and Father Dougal dance about to the shaft theme <laughs> and, and it makes this priest happy yeah. and he gets on the bus all chirpy and he's yeah. sat on the bus and the bus driver sort of says oh do you mind if I put some music on so I go no 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 put some, put some music on and they play exit music <laughs> and you just watch the emotion just drain out of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's just, and even um, you know, it's, you know, I've I've seen Radiohead live a few times yeah, now, yeah, yeah. and I've been I was at uh, Victoria Park the first time I saw him, and I was at um the um O2 Arena yeah. the other time, and I there there was not a depressed person in no, my opinion man. anywhere. That in sounds that, like a joyful you know, experience. You've got thousands of people rocking out to Radiohead, and that's mm. not, but. For some reason, you know, they still have this connotation of being... Yeah, well, I mean, it's like... And yeah. it's just... I, I prefer the term soundscapes and... Yeah. You know, it's just... It's just nice music. Alternative music, I guess. it's just nice. In, in and, it's, and then, of course, uh, Travis was another band which seems to be... Why does it always this, rain on which, me? Yeah. And Fran Healy has gone on record so many times saying they were... He was on holiday in Israel, which was supposed to be this nice sunny country, and it was raining, and that is where the lyrics <laughs> come from. It has nothing to do with that's, feeling low. That's perfect, because that tells you all you need to it's know. It's literally really. about we, the we weather. We project onto these <laughs> but, songs. Yeah, but we and it's just. And I think um, the problem I had was um, when I was training to be a paramedic. It was that's where a lot of this ridiculing came from. Was mm. my cohort was taking the piss out of me for Radiohead. <laughs> we had to do this. Um, you know, we did a couple of um, lectures on mental health and depression, stress, anxiety. And um, basically, we had to listen to someone came in to talk about depression and stress. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we're now going to listen to a um, a tape of people talking about their experiences mm. of depression and and, and um, <laughs> problem. And you can see where this is going. There's some music in the background of <laughs> these people talking. Watering and, just, <laughs> and everyone just stared at me after I had like been fired. Like, That's not depressing music. It's but it is it helps that's me why, that's why it's, it's appropriate it's and good that it's that music and they just look at me and they just look at me and it didn't help but they were lit- it was literally just a tick box of Radiohead check Travis check yeah. Coldplay check <laughs> even a fucking Blur song yeah there's, which there's one a, there's a Blur song called This Is A Low wow and it doesn't help that the chorus goes this is a low <laughs> I was like, thanks, Damon. <laughs> but again, if you actually look into what that song is about, yeah. uh, Damon Alburn was having writer's block, and mm. he literally, it's such a random song, where he literally just had all these phrases which he always thought would be good for a song, but couldn't fit them in. So he just chucked them all into one song, which <laughs> became the song This Is A Low. But again, it's just... It's, okay, Let Down... It's, it's one of my. It's one, that's why one of my top five songs it's, of all time. It's definitely on the way it builds up, and it's, it's just so, it's, and it makes me so emotional. But the lyrics of that is all about he was in a bar and he just imagined things floating. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like in the bar, you just like like what it wasn't. But it sounds. It's. I'd say letdown is probably the ultimate song that sounds like it's about something and it's not. Well, I think okay, the whole okay computer album was when yeah. Tom York was getting very. Um, he was, that's when the fame was becoming 
too big for him. Really? And he was becoming feeling quite disconnected with the world. Yeah. And a lot of the songs are inspired by those lyric of that kind of right. experience. It's almost his losing my religion with, kind of with, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, I, you know, it's, I will always say, okay, here, yeah, fine. It, it may be depressing music. I'm mm. doing inverted speech marks here. <laughs> but it's, it helped me at a dark time of my life. Well, well, and yeah. I still, I still love the band. I still think that that kind of music is just nice to relax to. What was it? Was that it? Was Radiohead your your go to for 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 when you were depressed? Oh, it was just. I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say it was my go to as in that I'm depressed. I must listen to Radiohead. Mm. It just happened. I think when I was sort of really honing in on my musical tastes Mm. and kind of my own opinions on music, Mm. because I was raised. uh, My mum was the biggest Queen fan I ever knew. I was raised on on Queen. Yes, me too. and again, going back to how sheltered I was with the patriotism, mm. I almost kind of was just raised to believe that the only band in existence was mm. Queen. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> God but, save our gracious <laughs> Queen. Queen bitch, Queen bad. <laughs> I think at a time when I was actually um, beginning to sort of hone in on my own company, you know, discovering my own music, going on my own musical journeys. Mm. Radiohead happened to be a band I connected with a lot. Yeah. And I happened to be depressed at that time. I, yeah. I wouldn't say, you know, there's no cause no and effect here. No, God, no. It just happened to be, but that was the music I enjoyed listening to. Yeah. And sometimes if I needed to get out of my, I was living in halls, which is just, I wouldn't recommend yeah. that to anyone. <laughs> It's just, and sometimes, again, like for our, any of our listeners who haven't been experienced UK uni life, halls is halls of residence. Yes. Which is effectively where root, you live in a room. <laughs> but I would, I would go out and build, there was a, but my campus had a big park. Yeah. And, you know, I would quite happily just get my iPod on, listen to Radiohead and go for, I would just walk laps yeah. of this park. By I, myself. I and have that, so much empathy with that. That helped me. And, you know, and Radiohead was there for me. But not just Radiohead, other bands yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Blur. Yeah. I love Muse, but I kind of like the slow, some mm. of the slow Muse songs that they mm. do. There's a song on Absolution called Blackout, which I absolutely right. love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, um, Beetle Bum by Blur is my all-time favourite song, which is about heroin addiction, of all things. Yes, yeah, but yeah. I or- think the musical composition of it, I just find trancing mm. and zen and and i love it things like uh the drugs don't work oh, yeah so that's a nice sad song that gets me i think the reason is is because when we're that low we need something to give form to exactly the feelings we've got so it's almost like it's almost like when you said you looked at the picture of your grandfather and it was like oh it was real it's like oh my emotion is real this is how i feel mm. it's been put into words i can project it's- myself into it mm. It's like uh, when I uh, was the worst depressed, it came after a big breakup, like like my first big heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And I just went from like being a guy who see, who didn't realize he was depressed to going straight down to this kind of terrible thing. And I was, you know, I don't cry very often. I'm not a crier person. I don't cry very often. I cry maybe like 30 seconds and then snap out of it. Um, uh, on the day that I, after I'd been dumped, I was like in my room crying Aww. loud like Matt Damon crying like you know when he kind of sounds like a kind of maniacal laugh like it's not your fault <laughs> <laughs> and it's like and I would have to go out into the street 
because I was so upset about, I was like, I was, uh, everyone in the house can hear me. So basically I went and I went around the park and I was just walking down the street crying and, um, big issue salesmen were crossing the street to get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, um, I would listen to music and, um, you know, it's that old cliche of like when, you know, when you're in love, all the romantic songs suddenly make sense. Yeah. And it's like, for me, it was like the 69 love songs by the magnetic fields was my album and it has so many great like heartbreak songs on there it's a brilliant album it's literally 69 love songs they wrote 69 songs and it's all in one album it's fucking brilliant and there was a song that called no one will ever love you um and the song is actually not that bad the title actually sounds worse than the song the actual lyric is no one will ever love you honestly and no one will ever love you for your honesty. So it's also, as a guy who's just come on through a breakup, it suddenly just felt true. And it was like, I would, I would listen to it and I would just like use it to kind of rationalize my thoughts and stuff. And I think I, I find it very interesting with when you talk about with depression, because when I was depressed, my depression didn't manifest itself as sadness. It manifested itself as being a lack of feeling anything. It just became nothing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like you said yourself today about like, you know, when you just lose love of things that you used to love, yeah. you know. The biggest symptom. <laughs> exactly. Know, loss of interest in. And that's why sad songs are so great because they make you feel emotions. There comes a point when you're depressed where bad emotions ca- still count and they're mm-hmm. really good. And you're like, oh, I just felt really sad. And that reminded me that I can feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so... I completely fucking agree. That's a great one. What would be your recommended... Uh, what's your... Like, what's your playlist? Give the audience a... A playlist uh, for uh, Give to... the audience a, a pick-you-up or a pick-you-down that you would use if, if you're depressed. If you're depressed... Well, just... The Greg's... The Greg lock, The Greg's list. So I don't know. I guess I can go on what I listen to, which... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've uh, said something already, haven't you? Well, but... yeah. I mean, uh, Beetle Bum by Blur Beetle is... Bum. Um, you know, it's about heroin addiction. Um, mm. That's not why I listen to it. Um, <laughs> it's just, I found, you know, there's an outro to it and the composition to that mm. is just trancey and it's just, you can just shut your eyes, just surrender to surrender it. Surrender to yeah. it and just embrace the music. And I just find it, you know, euphoric. Um, yeah. So there's also, um, going to Radiohead, I mean, there is an app, the album Kid A, yeah. which, you know, it's where they went experimental. It's my favourite <laughs> album by Radiohead. Nice. But again, I think the way to listen to that is in its entirety in a dark room. Right. Just, You're a purist. just shut off listen the world. Listen to the whole thing. And you can, it's just, that's the only album. OK Computer is a close second because it's just, mm. it's easy listening. It's got those hints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it does have Paranoid Android, which is my favourite song mm. Uh, mm. by Radiohead. But I think if you just want to lose yourself for an hour, just... And, and listen to that. It's um, brilliant. And it, so, it brings us all the way back to patriotism. Because, mm-hmm. again, we've been talking about how there was that time in the 90s where suddenly Britain was cool again and it was all because of the misery guts, the depressives, <laughs> the, the criminals well, and the depressives. Well, I, I guess you look at, yeah, like Urban Hymns by The Verve and, yeah. you know, it was OK Computer by Radiohead, which has is still regarded as one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was that, yeah, you know, sometimes the Western culture just needed some <laughs> depressed it would kind of need to look at itself and go fuck man yeah, <laughs> yeah. so all the exports from Oxford this band yes <laughs> <laughs> see this is why it could have been a lot worse Jake. it could have been a lot worse my upbringing <laughs> yeah. we, got, we gave the world Tim Henman <laughs> Emma Watson and Radiohead <laughs> 
<laughs> and the dictionary, brothers. Um, all right, awesome. Ah, oh, I like that. I think that's a. I'm glad that you said that one. That's great. All right, awesome. I think we're done. Yeah, I think we wrap that up. Okay, uh, thanks for listening to Fifty Uses for the Word Love. Uh, today's word was patriotism. Uh, my guest has been Greg Lock. Say goodbye to people. Greg. Goodbye, people. Thank you for having me. I'm Stephen Trumbull, and I love you. <laughs>